Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to this Sunday special. This Sunday special is actually rather different because this is me making good on an idea I had, what was it, in 2021, maybe in 2020, where I, I was thinking about every three months I do a long-form, unedited, just talking episode where I just talk about things that had happened within, obviously, the last three months, where my headspace was, that kind of thing, right? And so this is the first episode of that, kind of meant as a pseudo-Christmas New Year special. It's sort of that. And so we have a lot to talk about because a lot happened last year. I'm not sure... I'm not sure how many of you know about all the stuff that happened last year. I'm not sure how many of you follow me on Instagram, Cody S. Clark and Undrum, if you want to go follow me. I think that, don't I have the link in the description of my podcast? I don't remember. I might do. I should do. But yeah, so I've got a few, and like I said, unedited. So you'll probably hear a few mouse clicks here and there, and I do apologize for that. But again, this is going to be a really long episode, potentially two hours. I'm expecting it to be two hours just because of how much happened last year and how much I want to dive into everything that went on. So I have a list of, I have a bullet pointed list of general topics I want to talk about and then I'll spitball from there. So the very first thing I I actually want to talk about is the beginning of 2021 and the idea or having the idea for Viper Week. So let's see. It's funny because I went through OneNote in, in kind of preparation for this trying to figure out when I had started it all. And apparently from the, from the save note, uh, near the top of the page in OneNote, it says the last save, I guess the last save for any alterations was March 1st, 2021. Now, I don't personally remember coming up with all my ideas at that point. That sounds really early to me because if I, from what I remember back in 2021, I had come up with the idea for Viper Week, third week, maybe fourth week of March. It was really, really late. And it was going to be... It was meant as a as a birthday gift to myself, actually, for May. And I know how, how wacky that sounds. I basically gave myself work as a birthday gift. It was it was strange. But but the the idea was that oh I'd it'd be a birthday gift to see nothing but Viper content on my website, nothing but Viper content on the homepage. And to be fair, I got that very right because it was so cool seeing all the Viper all the Viper content I had come up with completely on the homepage. It was excellent. But yeah, the idea was that it would be a birthday gift for myself uh, in for May, and I was going to, in in the case of articles, actually, I was going to finish writing a bunch of articles, a bunch of I- ideas that I had sat on for years. So if you saw the V8 Viper article, I don't know if I made a podcast episode about that. If I haven't, I need to, uh, where I reread my own article. But that one, that idea, that... That had come forth from a memory, if I remember correctly. That had come forth from a memory of watching a few videos on YouTube of Vipers racing around the Nürburgring in an an ADAC series, like a 24 Hours of Nürburgring type deal. And I, I had remembered seeing a Viper. The video quality was bad, but I knew it was a Viper. But also realizing this does not sound at all like a Viper. It's not even close. If it's not that, though... That that's one actually that's one potential backstory for that article. The other one is that in Forza Motorsport Four, they had two Gen Two GTSRs. They had a normal one and then one that sounded like a V8. It was a six point two liter 
V8. That was one of the other instances, or one of the other instances, sorry, I can recall where I knew something was up. But yeah, so basically the idea of the article was, okay, I know V8 Vipers exist because I've heard them. And they're racing ones. They're racing V8 Vipers. Now, I just got to figure out the story. I just got to find out the story, as much of the story as I can at least, and then make an article about it. Because a lot of people ask, you know, or, or people who walk up to Viper owners, they'll say, oh yeah, my, my, my neighbor had a V8 Viper. This one had an automatic or theirs had a V12. You know, they'll spout a bunch of nonsense just trying to impress the Viper owner. And, and part of it is like, you know, I wonder, you know, the article should be made from the stance of, oh, wait a minute, you know, they're wrong in, in saying like, oh, there's been factory production V8 Vipers because no, there hasn't been, but there have actually been any, any kind of V8 Vipers in existence at all. Yes, there are V8 Vipers in existence, not, not engine swapped ones though, because those don't count because you can engine swap pretty much any car. Uh, not with any engine, but if you're dedicated enough, you'll shoehorn, shoehorn something into some cramped engine bay. Someone put, someone put, an 8.3, an 8.3 or an 8.4, they put a Gen 3 or Gen 4 Viper V10 in a Saab 9.3. A Saab 9.3. It's ridiculous. Someone shoehorned a Gen 3 or 4 Viper V10. I can't remember which specifically. But they shoehorned a Gen 3 or 4 v, Viper V10 in a Honda S2000. So if there's a will, there's a way. But I, I, I was determined to ignore engine swaps because again that absolutely doesn't count because there are actually some ls swapped v8 vipers uh gen 2 ls swapped v8 vipers i think in existence and i'm like well that, no, that doesn't count because that's like saying oh well here's a v6 bentley continental but it has the v6 from as the pentastar v6 from a chrysler 200 it's like well no you have a bentley continental that you've engine swapped with a pentastar v6 right it to me that one doesn't count because it's not your engine swapping the only one that I maybe would have counted is if they engine swapped the Viper V10 for a Mopar V8. That one I would have maybe counted, but largely no. So, yeah, that whole idea was, that whole article was just me making good on the, on the suspicion, on the investigation I had launched a little bit, a little bit earlier, uh, maybe months ago, back in 2020, I think at that time, just trying to find V8 Vipers, uh, just trying to find those V8 Vipers specifically, and that article, you know, that article was kind of a, was kind of, it was funny because I had found racing numbers, I had found a few general liveries I had seen in videos and even online, because there, there are articles that have photos of those cars racing on the Nürburgring, so I'm like, okay, cool, I have a few that I, a few consistent Vipers that I know exist, and so when I had when I had started compiling all the cars for that article, it got to a point where I thought there were six, I think six or seven V8 Vipers. Because when I started, I thought, okay, one or two, maybe three, especially in the early stages of writing that article. I was like, oh, it's, it's three. There's three because they had different liveries. But then I saw similar though different liveried GTSRs, V8 GTSRs that had different racing numbers. I'm like, okay, huh? How many of these things how many, how many of these things are in existence? So I was, I was completely enthralled. I was excited. I was like, oh my God, hell yeah. There's more of these things. Than I thought like there's a whole group of them. And to cut, to cut that story short, it turns out, no, it's just that their liveries and racing numbers had been changed a lot throughout the years. That's something I didn't really know and or forgot about racing cars at that, at that moment was that 
it's not uncommon for racing cars to change their numbers, their racing number, and their liveries almost on a yearly basis. It's not uncommon for that. So that's it's not that wasn't something I was expecting to be the case with the with those GTSRs, but it turned out to be the case. Uh, but you know that that article, that idea led me to writing someone I actually met at the VDR, Sean Romig, because he has I don't know if it was the case at the time. At the time, he might have had a Google Doc spreadsheet where he had a Google Doc spreadsheet of various Viper Racing info because he's trying to catalog. He's trying to catalog the history and the information about racing Vipers, so the Comp Coupes, the GT3Rs, the Gen 2 GTSRs, and the like. And so at the time, I had written, because I think, I don't know where I read it, but I thought I saw him saying that he was writing a book on the subject, that he was working on a book on the subject. And so I found him on Instagram. Uh, and then I wrote him, I'm like, hey, you know, can you tell me anything about these cars? Can you tell me about the story? Blah, blah. And he politely declined. And I, I was good with that because he spent a lot of time, he spent a lot of time trying to track down the information because some of them are, some of them are Zach Speed cars. And basically he had put a lot of effort into that. And so he, he wanted to keep that information privy to his project you know for the book and so i was completely cool with that i'm still looking forward to buying the book by the way i don't know when he's going to get i don't know when the book's going to come out but i'm still very much looking forward to buying that book so i can read it because i I, i'd love to know even more information about those v8 vipers because what i found out through the online searching even though i couldn't even though i couldn't get anything out of him it was still great medium and then later because he has the viperracinghistory.com i hope i got the url right and there's some information about those cars there, actually. But that was actually because I had sat on that article. He then got that website up. It turned from his his efforts turned from a Google spreadsheet, a Google Doc spreadsheet, to an article, actually, which was uh, not an article, a website. And by that time, when I was working on Viper Week, I could utilize a little bit. I didn't want to take too much. I utilized a little bit of the information he had posted there to ma- write a more accurate article. Uh, on on those cars and so what what was i gonna say i was gonna say i found out something oh i found out through through a lot of online searching through a lot of articles that are scattered around the web that the reason why zach speed and a few other people that were working on those cars created the v8 vipers was because of a restriction in i think the german adac series or, or one of the european racing legislative bodies they were reducing the maximum engine size to 6.2 liters well, obviously, a Viper GTSR has an engine size of eight liters, so they were they were pretty much stuffed. Well, someone I don't remember the company name. I know what it is. I just can't I can't say it with confidence right now. Had come up with a proposal to just get rid of the last two cylinders, or get rid of the last two pistons and all the fueling and whatnot. So, or not the pistons. They'd leave the pistons. They'd leave the rotating assembly, but they'd get rid of the fueling, the ignition, and all that stuff. So. What they ended up building was a 6.2 liter V8 inside the V10 block, inside the Viper V10 block. So the last two pistons would rotate. They still had the rotating assembly, but they weren't getting any fuel. They weren't getting any air. They weren't utilized for anything. And that was that was just wild to me. It's like, holy crap. Like, that is a very ingenious solution. And it turns out, according to Forza anyway, the engine ended up being exact somewhere around 6.2 liters exactly in size which is which is amazing when you think about it because that's almost like eight that's almost like a liter per cylinder right because then you'd have seven yeah that's like 0.8 of a liter per cylinder 
That's what that's like. Oh my god, it's just insane. I love. Unfortunately, that story didn't do that well on Drive Tribe, but I love. I think it's doing pretty okay on my on my website, thankfully, my own website. But yeah, that story I had sat on since about 2019, I think. And so that and for those keeping track, is Viper Viper we came out in 2021. So that's 2019. That's 20 2020. 20, so almost like a year and a half. What 2019, 2020. 2021 so almost three years definitely over a year and a half i had been sitting on that article hadn't published it hadn't even finished it at that time and so that was that was a pretty cool article to finish i i love that one uh the only thing that was really annoying was trying to find images of those cars that i could use for the article because i wanted to show well you know which ones specifically and delivery well thankfully someone on tumblr of all places has made a Viper Motorsports page. And they have a few other cars on there, but they've basically cataloged a crap ton of images of Viper race cars. And so and some of them were of the V8 Viper. I don't know if they were V8 at the time, but they but yeah, they cataloged, they they had images of them there. So I'm like, okay, well I'll just embed the link to that in the article. And that worked beautifully. So because those article those fo- photos of those cars are that you can actually use are ridiculously hard to find because Dodge, as far as I know, they don't have any images of those cars, and considering they were technically speaking Chrysler G- Chrysler Viper GTSR, well, no, some of them were Chrysler Viper GTSRs, and then thanks to some stupid branding regulation crap, they got they went back to being Dodge Viper GTSRs. But either way, I would have had the Dodge European website, any Dodge European website, well, not any, ideally a German, maybe a British Dodge European website. Or, or British slash German Dodge website would have to still exist for me to potentially find those photos because it's not even a given. But yeah, so that article, that one took a little bit of time. It took a lot of searching, a lot of reading because I, I had done a little bit of searching again. I think in twenty twenty, saved all my links so that I could pick up the project again at a later date when I wanted to. But I really didn't get all that far with it. So then when late March came around, no, April, when April came around, when I started writing the article, it, it was a lot of reading. It was a lot of fixing. I think I, I had rewritten the, the article almost in its entirety because I didn't like the way it was going when I had started. But yeah, so let's backtrack a little bit to, to uh, let's see, well, yeah, to Viper Week as a whole. So as I said in the beginning, I was... I had come up, I had, I had decided to do it in earnest in late March, for May, for the first week of May, from the 1st to the 7th of May. And to give you an idea, to tell you how late I had started, I think it was about the 26th or the 28th of March, when I had started work in earnest of doing Viper Week. And, oh, and that's something else I forgot, I forgot to tell you guys what, what the terms were. So, originally, originally when I was doing Viper Week, what I wanted to do was... Two articles a day, two podcasts a day, two photos a day, and two videos a day for an entire week. It was gonna be a complete, it was gonna be a complete and massive content dump. That's what my plan was. But because I had started in earnest, uh, roughly around March 28th, and then April came not long after that, and I had I didn't have all my ideas figured out because some some I had to come up specifically for Viper Week. Like most of the articles. Let's see, because I had the V8 Viper, riding in a Viper for the first time, my auto art. Uh, I think those are the three. I maybe had a fourth article that I had been sitting on for, for a little while that I knew I was going to do for Viper Week. 
So the articles, I was pretty okay on, actually, for the most part. Um, but, like, videos, I had no idea. So all the videos you see for Viper Week on my channel, I came up with pretty much on the spot. All the podcasts, same thing. All the photos, same thing. And so, yeah, it, it was it was crazy. It was hectic because I had... In the articles I wanted to do... In fact, no, no, no. What made things even more complicated for me was that with Viper Week, I wanted to dedicate an article to one gen of car and then another and another and another. I wanted to spread it out because if it were for... If I did it the way I'd probably do it, it would have just been Gen 5. The entire... All of it. Except for maybe the photos. And I was like, no, there's more Vipers than Gen 5s as much as I love Gen 5s. You know, let's let's mix it up a little bit. Let's go a little bit outside my wheelhouse and branch out to the other Viper generations. So... I wanted to have a relatively equal proportion of articles. So one Gen 1 article, one Gen 2 article, one Gen 3 article, one Gen 4 article, and one Gen 5 article. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted it to be fairly equally proportioned. Then podcast, same thing. One Gen 5 podcast, one Gen 1 podcast, one Gen 2 podcast, so on and so forth. Uh, let's see, the video, same thing. And then for the photos, which was easy but not easy, was it was one photo a day for a week. So... The first day would be Gen 1, second day would be Gen 2, and so on. So it was easy. It was very, very easy. But yeah, so I couldn't just come up with ideas willy-nilly because I had to come up with ideas for specific generations of Viper. And so for the articles, thankfully with some of the pre with, with some of the ones already in the works, the V8 Viper ones, that was under that was under the Gen 2 banner because the GTSR is based on a Gen 2 Viper. Uh Gen 1, I don't remember what my Gen 1 article was. I'd have to go find it. Uh, Gen 3 was about a Viper, it was about a SEMA concept, actually, that was really hard to find info for. And because of that, I was like, well, it's not going to be new news, but because it's really hard to find, and I've, I've never seen, or I've very, very rarely seen anyone talk about it, I think it's completely okay to bring this concept into the modern era. I'd be like, well, hey, anyone remember this concept? And that, and what was so cool about that concept, I don't remember what it was called, what was that concept called? Let me go... Let me go find it on my website, actually, here. Uh, but it was a... Oh, it was the Dodge Dodge Viper Carbon Concept. That's what it was. Let me just type in Viper Week here. Eventually, I'll have to type in Viper Week 2021. Uh, just because I'm going to be doing Viper Week again this year. You'll have that to look forward to. Uh, yeah, what was my Gen 1 article, though? Now that I'm on my website, what was... What was that? Oh, Yeah! That's one I'll get into a little bit later. I forgot, but that one's a real, I love that article. But yeah, so my Gen 3 article was of the 2003 Dodge Viper SRT 10 carbon concept. Because uh, it was a SEMA concept from 2000, what was it, 2002, 2003? A really, really long time ago. And basically, it was kind of a track special Viper, actually. And so, and what I loved about the carbon concept, what I loved finding out about it, is that in some cases it actually previewed a lot of things we would see in later Vipers. So the carbon concept had a carbon fiber hood. Well, that's something that we only saw about 10 years later, about a decade later in the Gen 5. And then you have the Sidewinder, Sidewinder 1 wheels. You know the Gen 4 ACR and its five-spoke wheels? Those were originally on the 2003 carbon concept. A full, what, 2003... Well, a full five years before the ACR came out. And then it also made 600 horsepower with individual throttle bodies. That's not something we would see, but in fact, it made 625 horsepower. So Gen 5, more than Gen 5 power, but Gen 5 power would be made in 2003. 
And so it was so it was just so fascinating reading about reading about this viper because a lot of the a lot of the stats even which I'll get into in a second a lot of the stats some of the ideas some of the ideas and horsepower numbers we'd end up finding we'd end up having in the gen 5 10 years later because it could do allegedly anyway it could do 0 to 60 in 3.6 seconds now that's slower than the gen 5 because the gen 5 can do 0 to 60 manufacturer claim is what 3.2 3.3 3.4 is the highest observable i've seen uh, but it would also do a trap speed of 11.2 seconds at 128 uh, miles per hour. Exactly Gen 5 numbers. And so again, it, it was so endlessly fascinating for me to, to find out that, that, that this concept car had Gen 5 numbers 10 years before. And it had a carbon fiber trunk. It had a carbon fiber roof. It had a carbon fiber hood. Those are things we would, we would have in the Gen 5 10 years later. So... And I thought the carbon, now, let me be real with you guys. Not everything, not everything, not all my, all the ideas I came up with, I didn't think all of them would be winners. Some of them were going to be kind of filler. And I knew that because it was a really bad time. It was a really bad, a really short uh, time schedule. It was March 28th to, to May 1st, basically. That's when at least one article had to be done and at least three had to be done so that I wasn't uploading and social media and all that stuff at the same time because that would have been really difficult. So initially, I had honestly thought that this would be a throwaway article, sadly. Not the, not the best one because I didn't have a lot of time. But it turned out, even though it's not the most interesting of the ones I did, I don't think, it's still very fascinating just because of how much, how forgotten the car is, but how much, how much of what we saw in this car kind of laid the groundwork for later Vipers. And that, that was stupid cool to find out. It, it really was. So... Yeah, you had the 2003 Dodge Viper Carbon Concept, which was interesting. And then the first article for the Gen 5, or not the Gen 5, for the Gen 1, actually. And this isn't technically Gen 1, actually. It goes before. It, go, it goes back prior to that uh, because it goes back to it goes back to the, the RT-10 Concept days before the Viper was even in production. And so the very first article that I had posted for Viper Week was, uh, was about the Dodge Viper Pacifica prototype and that was a story I had actually been sitting on for years that's a story I've been sitting on since 2019 because in 2019 I was making a quiz I was making the ultimate dodge viper quiz right and with the ultimate dodge viper quiz I needed another viper rt10 image because I had another question another quiz another uh, another trivia question about the rt10 concept well, unfortunately, FCA's media site really only has one, well, had one, uh, and they had others, but for some reason, I just didn't like it, so I wanted to use a different one. I guess that was more more retro, that was more period correct, but sadly, they only had one of the proper concept, but they had this other one of a different RT tenant, and I knew it was incorrect. It wouldn't have been right to use it because it didn't have the roll bar. It looked smaller. It looked more like a sports car than the heroic supercar concept that we ended up getting. But I was in a pinch even at that time. So I was like, screw it. I'll just, I hated it. But I, I put that photo in the, in the quiz knowingly, knowing, put, I, I knowingly put it in the quiz, understanding the, understanding the reality that I just put the incorrect car for the quiz question. Not completely the incorrect car, but it was still the incorrect car. So I was a little bit upset, but 
I was like, okay, no. What we're going to do is we're going to do that. But to make amends, what I'm going to do is write an article explaining what this car is. And then why I ended up having to use it in the quiz because, you know, I, there wasn't any other image that I liked. And so I think that was about May I did the Ultimate Dodge Viper quiz. Yeah, I think it was May. Did a little bit of research for like the next three days on the car. And I found out, I found out that I was onto something, right? I found out that this was a thing. It wasn't my, it wasn't just my imagination. And there was a little bit of a story behind this car. It, it genuinely had a little bit of lore to it. So I, I was like, all right, cool, awesome. This is going to make for an interesting story. And then I ran into a dead end. All because there's a bunch of other Viper indexes, quote unquote, that have existed, but a lot of them dead links. You have to use the Wayback Machine, which I forgot about at the time. I knew that it existed. I just didn't think to use it. But yeah, sorry, there was a car just going by. <laughs> that distracted me. But yeah, so I ran into a dead end because most of the links just didn't work. They didn't work or I couldn't get the... No, I ran into the image problem later. And so after hitting that dead end, I was like, well, crap, I'll save all my links. I have a research link folder in OneNote, put all that stuff in there for that specific story. And I'm like, I'll come back to it at a later date when I come up with an idea for maybe where I can go, where I can go afterwards. And then like a, like a very complicated murder, the, the story, the, the case went cold for like a year and a half. I dropped it completely in 2019, didn't do anything with it in 2020. And then I think, what was it? January of 2021. January of 2021, I had remembered that the I had remembered that that I had that that unsolved case that I really wanted to solve, and I also had the epiphany that oh wait, I should be able to use use the Wayback Machine for the links, put the link into the Wayback Machine, and just pray to God someone had archived the website, and so then then the case was reopened, although only only slightly from that from that very point on because it's like okay if. If no one's archived it, then I'm, I'm out of luck. I am fresh out of luck. So the case was temporarily open, assuming no one had archived the site. Or archived the sites, plural, because there are a few dead links. So I put a few of the links into the Wayback Machine, and I was in luck. I mean, sort of. I was sort of in luck. There were, there were a few... Okay, the scary part is that some of the links had a lot of dead ends in the Wayback Machine, but a few of the other ones, thank the Lord, they, the website did actually show up and there was stuff to view. So, okay, cool. Investi inve <laughs> investigation, no. The investigation, investigation, God, am I, am I saying that wrong? Am I really saying that wrong? The investigation, thank you, is back online. It is a go. So, I pour over about three links three or four links something like that and it took ooh, i think it took a good portion of april like the first week and a half i think it took the first week and a half but i did eventually find the information i was looking for because the thing is that i had a general idea for the article it's just that i needed to find the definitive answer or enough definitive answers for what the car could potentially be to close it out. So that's really what I was looking for at the time was answers or some possible theories that would allow me to close out the article. So that was, that was my problem at that stage uh, with the Pacifica prototype article. And 
I was so happy to get that one done. I was so happy. And not not necessarily because I had been sitting on it for a few years, though that was absolutely part of it. But more so, more so that that was one of my first big invest, investigation. I keep wanting to say investigation jokingly, but not jokingly now. God dang it. But yeah, that was one of my first big investigation projects that I had ever undertaken, certainly for Vipers. And so to have that done and to have found two possible answers, because I found two possible answers, one of which was from a Motor Trend article I didn't need the Wayback Machine for to find, which as you can imagine irritated me, but yeah, to finally be able to close out that story as much as I could with the information I found at that time was epic. It was so, so cool. And uh, there was a panel on Friday, I think at the VDR, at the Viper Days reunion, where some where some people from Team Viper would be taking taking questions. It was a Q&A session. And so I'd asked them about the Pacifica prototype. I'm like, well, I have these people in front of me. I need to I need to get full-blown evidence. I need to get corroborative corroborative. I need to get additional evidence that confirms the existence of the Pacifica prototype. And what I had read about it online, they basically said that Carol was involved a little bit in the project and that. They created the Pacifica prototype to satiate his desire for a smaller V8 Viper. Just to just to satiate, just to kind of appease him, really. Just because they weren't as I mean, two of the things I had read kind of contradict, but from what I heard, it was kind of hard to hear them. But from what I heard, it wasn't a serious consideration. Not not truly. It was just to make sure Carol felt like his his wants and desires were being heard for the most part. So that was really the, the reason behind the Pacifica prototype. So yeah, it turns out real car, uh, a real quote-unquote alternative Viper that they had sort of peddled around, not really. And yeah, so it was so cool though, just confirming that from Viper Week later in 2021, but... Yeah, that was a story I had wanted to do for years, and I really wanted to get that story out because, you know, that mid-engine Viper boom, those that all those news articles that came out in 2021, I had found about found out about that car I think in 2018, maybe 2017, well before Road and Track and anyone else got their hands on that information, and I had been planning on making an article about that, but I took way too long, and they scooped my story, so I was pissed. I'm like. Nah, you're not scooping any more of my stories. No, no, if you're going to talk about the Pacifica prototype, if you're going to talk about anything else, if you're going to talk about anything of this nature, as far as it, as, uh, as it regards to the Viper, you're going to make sure that I'm a part of that story. So, yeah, that was done. Uh, the concept, the, the carbon concept, that wasn't going to be a part of it, but yeah. So, yeah, so that article... I'm not sure if that was the first one done. That might have been... I think that was the first one done. It was that one. Then I think it was the V8 Vipers. Then I did the Carbon. And what's, and getting back to what I was saying about the Carbon being a throwaway, that was a late entry. That was a late addition to my, to my roster of articles. Because if I'm being real with you guys, I didn't even have all my ideas down late April. Like third or, third or fourth week of April, I didn't even have all my ideas down. I honestly didn't. So the carbon concept was a late addition to to that to that roster of articles, and thankfully it turned out really good. But it, I was terrified. I'm like, I have no idea what I want to do for Gen threes. I just I don't know enough about Gen threes to come up with an interesting article. 
for anything as far as I can know as far as as far as as far as with what I already know so I was in a really sticky situation and part of part of the task for the carbon concept really was was me going over and reading all the links and all the articles I had found on the car because I didn't know I didn't I knew pretty much nothing about it. I'm like, okay, I maybe remember seeing this thing once or twice, but this is a concept I know absolutely nothing about. So the reading took a little bit of time and there were quite a few articles to go through. Well, I, a handful, there were a handful of articles to go through, but yeah. So now that article is, you know, it's done and up and I'm glad that, that information's out there on a website, on a not dead link on a modern website. Cause pretty much any other link for that car is on a dead website. Or the link is dead, which is very sad. And you have to use the Wayback Machine in order to find it. So that's that. Like I said earlier, that was part of the reason why I was more than happy to do that article. Was because of that fact. That it's very hard to find information on that car. It's very hard to find those links. So it, it honestly, it made too much sense to do that car. If I if I didn't do that article, not only would I, would I not have had a, a full roster of articles for Viper Week... But it would it would have just been stupid. It would it would have been blatantly idiotic not to do that article? So I did that one, and then another. This is skipping a little bit, but another late article for Viper Week, which I think this one was late. This article was late. Uh, it was about the three generations theory. So for those who don't know, there's when it comes to vipers, you'll you'll meet two kinds of people. You'll meet people like me who say there are five generations of vipers. So SR one, SR two. ZB1, ZB2, and BX1. BX1 being the Gen 5. And then you'll meet people who are, who'll say there are only three generations of Vipers. So, the, so Gen 1, Gen 3, and Gen 5. So SR1, ZB1, and VX1. And the reason why there's a differing in beliefs is based upon the simple fact that with the Viper... Sorry, car in the distance just distracting me. We got a lot of, we got a lot of street racer types, I think, out here. Kind of annoying when it's 12 at night. Like, actually, no, I'll get into that later. That's that's a different rant. But, yeah, so there are people that believe there are three generations of Viper based upon the fact, and it is a fact, that generally the Viper has only had three three different body styles. The Gen 1 body style, the Gen 3 body style, and then the Gen 5 body style. And that article, it's funny, because that article, I only had that idea after I read an article on Jalopnik claiming and making the case that there's only three and saying that it's it's rather confusing that there are people that refer to it as five right and so i i read that article and i'm like nah i've got to tackle this and while i only ended up making one gen 3 article and i think one gen 5 article the three gen that article about the three versus five generations of viper article encompassed all of them so it was a good compromise i felt between not having as many of the other gens as i would have liked it encompasses all of them, and I'm going. I'm talking about all of them. So I felt it was very fair. And in that article, and I it actually there's a podcast episode about it. So if you type in uh, what like Dodge Viper or Three Generations or just Viper, you sh it should show up some somewhere in Podbean, and you'll see all three Viper logos. That's the one you're looking for. You can find if you go to my website and type in Viper Week, you'll see Three Generations something. You're looking. You're looking for a very similar headline, and that. Uh, thumbnail image on Podbean for that podcast. But basically, basically what I talk about or what, what I, the conclusion I come to in that article is that 
yes, there are only three main body styles of Viper. That is an undeniable truth. However, there are five different iterations of the chassis. SR1, SR2, ZB1, ZB2, and VX1. And, and this is based upon what was said in the article, but as incorrect as it is to call to say that the Viper has five generations, because typically in, the, in an automotive context, generation means an all-new version of a car. So let's say an e-body Challenger to the LX. The LX is a, is a different generation of Challenger, right? Whereas in the Viper's case, we'd consider SR2 to be like a facelift, a refresh of SR1, not an all-new generation because it's still based, because the Gen 2s are still based on the SR chassis. And so I, I acknowledged all of that because that's absolutely true. However, I had said that if you change the word generation to iteration, something that doesn't have a slightly esoteric uh, automotive meaning, then you have to say there are five iterations of the Viper because there have been five iterations of the Viper. The chassis codes prove that. And I had even said, look, if you change the chassis nomenclature to Porsche nomenclature, so SR1, SR1.2, ZB1, ZB1.2, like 911, uh, 992, and the 992.1, which we don't have yet, or the 991, and the 991.2, and so on and so forth. If you change Viper chassis nomenclature to Porsche 911 chassis nomenclature, you still end up at five. SR1, SR1.2, ZB1, and the like. You, you still end up at the same point, and the reality, and the reality with that is two achieves the exact same thing as 1.2. So there's no there's no point in changing in changing the nomenclature to to fit to fit some some weird narrative because it means the same thing. And so yeah, the conclusion I highly recommend you read the article by the way. I go into it in depth. It's re, it's a, that was one of my uh, it was a late edition but a favorite of mine because it tackles something it tackles something within the Viper mythos that's been the case since what? Since the Gen 4 came around. Uh, arguably since the Gen 3 when people said Gen 1, 2, and then 3, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, my basic, my basic conclusion was that the only way you can say there are three, there are three versions of the Viper is if you ignore the existence of SR2 and ZB2, and you can't because those are very pivotal, those are very pivotal, pivotal iterations of the Viper in Viper history. You can't just ignore it because you want to adhere to a very strict definition, an esoteric definition of the word generation. If you change the word to iteration version, you know, version 5 Viper, there's five versions of the Viper. Well, there are five versions of the Viper. So I had said it's more accurate to say there are five generations of the Viper, even if, you, even if you're using the word generation incorrectly. It's more accurate to say that than it is to say there's three generations of the Viper, because no. There are five chassis. There are five chassis distinctions out there, five different stages. There, in other words, stages. So, yeah, that article. And what was funny was that that article was born out of irritation, and that used to be that kind of motivation was something that happened all the time for me back on Car Throttle, back when I started writing about uh, in roughly 2016, if I remember correctly. But I, I, it had been a long time since I had written an article out of sheer irritation like that. It had been a, a hot minute. So yeah, that, that was a favorite of mine. Not, not for the irritation bit, but because I now have my own response to, the, to that whole, is there three or five generations of the Viper fiasco? And that, and that article is considered a Carlosophy. It's not named it, but it is absolutely considered a Carlosophy because it fits the tenets of a Carlosophy where I, I delve into 
issues within the automotive enthusiast world. So things like, are there European muscle cars? How many generations of Viper actually are there? And the like. So again, it's not named a carlosophy, just because the headline would be really long, but it is absolutely a carlosophy, and it's about the length of one, at least a short one as well. So yeah, but I was very, I was very happy with that article, as much as it was late. And so now we got to talk about that. So why were certain articles late? For those of you who were who were listening or who were watching Viper Week or reading the articles I was putting out for Viper Week might have noticed that it was an, it wasn't until almost late June until the last two articles of Viper Week came out. And so the reason for it was it late June. I think it was early June actually, but somewhere in June was when the last three last two actually the last two articles came out in Viper Week. And so. I'm going to address that, and the reason why they were that late, the reason why is because I was trying to do, I was writing an article for something that had happened to me years ago, back in 2018. So, so three years ago at that time. So I got, in 2018, I got to ride in a Gen 5 Viper ACR for the first time on, uh, at High Plains Raceway, my local racetrack. I, in fact, I still, I think I need to do a podcast episode about that article, but yeah. So I was trying to do that article talking about the experience, right? That's what you do when you meet your hero. And I got stuck on the noise. I was, ta- I was talking about everything I experienced because it's like, well, what, what happens when a kid meets his dream car? You want to know everything. So I got stuck on the exterior noise, specifically the induction noise, because I was trying to figure out how to describe it, how to explain it. And I just, I couldn't figure it out. I absolutely couldn't figure it out. And I was watching video after video on YouTube, trying to formulate the words, the sentence, the whatever. And it wasn't coming to me. And it was like two weeks, two weeks of fumbling with uh, two weeks of complete writer's block of not being able to describe the induction noise. Cause it was, cause the Viper's induction noise is so unique and I could go into it here. I won't, but yeah, so and because when something like that happens, when I get stuck, I tend to fixate. I obsess. I, I get tunnel vision. And I only focus on that one thing for as long as possible because it's gonna, you know, it's gonna piss me off every day. I'm not trying to figure it out, right? And that's exactly what happened. I fixated. I fixated. I fixated. I completely obsessed over it. And thankfully, I did eventually get it. I did eventually get it. But at that point, two weeks had gone by, and I was very late. So. I do apologize for Viper for the last two articles in Viper Week being very late. But yeah, trying to describe the induction noise in non-stereotypical ways and in slightly more creative ways absolutely kicked my butt. It destroyed me. And and the other thing about that was that the article was 4,000 words. It was like an editorial. It was huge. But I had a lot to say. And so that also added to the length. And with that, it was... Outside of even just the induction noise, it was me trying to figure out what I wanted to say. It was trying to recall what had happened three years ago at that time. Now, I had written, I had actually written in that same Viper uh, twice over since 2018. So I had a few more uh, recent, recent experiences to pull upon, but I was trying to, I was trying to remember what it was like for the first time. And so trying to figure out what I wanted to say was difficult because I didn't know exactly what it was I wanted to say. So that took a while. And then the next article was it was an article I had an idea of later, but still didn't get around to immediately because I knew it was going to be long. And that was the review 
of my Auto Art Gen 5 Dodge Viper ACR. And because that's a car, and I titled that I titled the article appropriately. I have been waiting for any die cast for any model car manufacturer to produce a good Gen 5 Viper ACR model for about four years since what was oh god. Yeah, four years at that time because I got it, I think four years after, but since the Gen 5 ACR came out in 2015, I had waited and waited and waited and waited for somebody to make a Gen 5 ACR model. No one did for four years. Although, I mean, that's not quite true because GT Spirit actually did three year, two, maybe two and a half years after the fact, but it was bad. So I don't really, uh, I don't really include that one. So yeah, I had waited for four years for AutoArt to bring this model out. So I titled the article four years, something, something, four years in the making. Because it was. And that article was 6,000 words, 2,000 more than me recounting my experience, my first time experience in the IRL Gen 5 ACR. And what's funny is that it took me about a week. It took me about a week to write that article. But the reason why for that, the reason why it didn't take me nearly as long was because I could look at the model as I'm writing, as I'm writing the article and be like, yeah, I like this. I don't really like that, blah, blah, blah. It was so much easier because it was less abstract. It was a much less abstract article to write. It was just a hard-hitting factual review. So it was significantly easier and thus significantly faster to write. And so, and so yeah, that one came after the four-year one because I got stuck on it. And then there was one video that was also late. And that video was late, I think, because of me trying to finish, obviously finish the articles, but then also finish the other videos I had been doing at the time. Uh, and it was that Nürburgring video where I was trying to match or beat the Nürburgring, the Gen 5 Viper Nürburgring lap record that had been set by Dominic Farnbacher, sorry, uh, with that, uh, with the crowd, crowd-funded effort. And I had practiced a little bit, I think, in the midst of the article and all that stuff. Articles, actually, plural. Just trying to see if it was even going to be worth doing. Because I didn't even know if I could... If if I couldn't beat it, I didn't even know if it was worth doing. But I decided, eh, I need the last video. And it should still be an interesting watch. Just seeing me go all out trying to make... Trying to make a lap record. So, I practiced and practiced and practiced. And I couldn't get close. I got... I, I said I couldn't get close. I got close, but I couldn't beat it. Which is what I was hoping to do. And I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it to save my life. So... And the other thing that I didn't like about doing that video was that I had to sync an IRL camera that I had aimed, my Canon M50, I had aimed it at my steering wheel and pedals, like a, like a dash, not a dash cam, uh, like a wheel cam. I had set it up like a wheel cam and then synced that up with the in-game replay of doing that, of doing that run. And that was something I did not, I wasn't looking forward to doing because I'm like, I have no idea how to do this. I don't know when each video is going to start. In, respect of, in, in relation to the other one. And I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know what the sign is I'm looking for in order to get it to start. And so that sucked. That was bad. And that was really, really annoying. So that was unfortunate. But I did actually, I think I got it synced up within maybe a frame or two of each other. And that's a video I, I even watched myself. Not because, not because I'm, I don't know, a stuck up snob or something, but because I've, I've watched the IRL run back a few times, and that run, my run, looks almost exactly the same. It's got a little banner on the bottom. It's I, I love watching it. It's just a lot of fun. And I think I watched it even. I think I watched it in DIA when we were when me and Dad were going out to the Viper Days reunion. 
uh, at like seven in the morning that Thursday. Was it Thursday? Yeah, I think it was Thursday. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just I loved watching that video, and I was and I was like, okay, this is. And not, now, some of the videos, some of my videos I don't watch over because it's information I already know or it's not, not something I really watch or, you know, I already know what happened. I experienced it, right? So I don't need to watch something back that I experienced, but but <laughs> that Nurburgring moment, it got annoying to, it got, after a point, it got annoying because of how hard it was. And I really wasn't trying to waste time uh, that morning. I didn't want to spend all day on it. So going back and just, just watching myself the line how i'm shifting it's it's so much fun and i'm watching my wheel cam that was a lot of fun as well watching my heel and toe and that kind of thing yeah i enjoyed that but the best video i made that wasn't the best video the best video i made in viper week was the very first very first video i posted and and if you notice because the pacific prototype that was that was a favorite of mine this video I'm about to talk about was a favorite of mine, and I think the very first podcast I posted was a favorite of mine. And the reason why I kind of put all my best content out first was to try and get people into the idea of Viper Week. Get people, get pe get people to understand the kind of stories and the quality they could expect for Viper Week. And so for the video, the video was one was once again another I another idea I had been saving since 2019, I think. And it was a, it was actually a conspiracy theory uh, and kind of a, a really weird one at that because it's not even about, it's not an IRL Viper one at all. It's actually a video game one. And so the story, the story basically goes like this. I have been playing Forza, well, Horizon 1, Horizon 3, Horizon 2 on my Xbox 360. I played many a Forza game and I've driven the Gen 5 GTS in all of those games an unhealthy amount. And something I noticed was that in all of those games, in all the games since the Gen 5 came out in, in Forza, the little gauge cluster surround that outlines the tack, the Princess Leia, the Princess Leia dash element, wasn't present. It was just a screen. And then the speedo and then the fuel, the fuel gauge to the left and the right, respectively, of the tack. And I was confused. I'm like, well, IRL Gen 5s have this little dash element that kind of stylizes the gauge cluster, the digital gauge cluster. So why doesn't the Forza version have that? That's a little weird. So, man, I don't even, I don't even know what tipped me off to what. Oh, actually, I do know what tipped me off to that. I think I know what tipped me off to that, actually. But yeah, so that's something I had realized at the time. So I'm like, okay, well, this is something I, this is something I need to dive into eventually. And at that point, I think that was 20, ooh, 2018, maybe, maybe early 2019. It had been, it was early. It was early in my, in my drive tribe days back in 2019. And I found out, I think 2019, 2020, that you could actually submit a video idea to drive tribe and they might make a video out of it. So I decided, okay, how about I'm going to get my idea out there to a bunch of people by cobbling together all of my evidence, all of my reasoning, and then sending it to one of the editors who said you could, Mike Fernie. So I got all my stuff together. I sent, a P I sent the PDF to him. Uh, and I thought it was pretty well-reasoned, pretty well put together. And then I think he had asked something like, well, you know, like, what's the conclusion? You know, why have you done this? 
Uh, I came up with a reason, which wasn't the original reason, but the original reason was kind of whiny. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'll come up with a different, better reason. So I did, and then I didn't hear anything back from him at all. So come Viper Week, I'm like, well, dang it. If the Drive Tribe foreheads aren't going to do it, I will. I'm just going to make the video for me for Viper Week. It's a perfect opener for the videos. And what, and what that video is essentially is a video essay. Like, have you ever watched a video of someone breaking down why all the Flash seasons suck? Like the, TV, the CW Flash show or Teen Titans or maybe Game of Thrones. Like all those YouTube video essays. It was like that, but it was a conspiracy theory about the Gen 5 GTS that's in all Forza games. So, or I say all. All Forza games since Motorsport 4 is a DLC. And, I, you know, I don't think I got any comments on it. I got quite a few views on it, which I'm very happy about. But that's, that was, that's probably a video I'm most, I'm one of the best videos I've ever produced. I'm still proud of that a few, you know, quite a few months later. Because it's just, it's so well put together. And I think it's very well reasoned. Because I went as far as checking when the Gen 5 GTS came into Forza in Motorsport 4. And then when the first road test of the Gen 5 came out. And it turned out that the Gen 5, the, the earliest video I could find of the Gen 5 being in Forza Motorsport 4 was July something, I think. Maybe June. And the first road test of the Gen 5 of pre-production examples was September. And... I'm I'm kind of I actually skipped a few details, but basically I had, I did that because I had said once I laid out all of the discrepancies between production and then production Gen 5s and this Gen 5 that I thought it was the New York Show car that we saw in 2012 for the Gen 5 Viper reveal, and part part of the let's see part of the reasoning for believing it was that car was because the ride height for the SRT GTS in the game was way too low. The lack, the lack of the gauge cluster design element, uh, the carbon fiber in weird areas that isn't even an option in option packs for the Gen 5, and then also an excerpt from a Viper book I got a while ago where, it as it turns out, the Gen 5 that we see or that we saw at the New York Auto Show was a, re was a rebodied, well actually, I say rebodied, it was more than a rebodied Gen 4, but it was ultimately a Gen 4 repurposed to look and smell and sound like a Gen 5 for the New York Auto Show because Chrysler at the time didn't have any prototype parts that would be ready for that car. They didn't want to they didn't want to push the Viper back any further. So they went for the New York Auto Show or yeah, the New York Auto Show reveal in April, I think. And so they contacted Prestige Company, someone that's made the Chrysler's concept cars in the past, and they took a Gen 4 convertible and then rebuilt it entire almost entirely to look sound smell like a gen 5 and so knowing that information about not having prototype parts that's why i went into the dates of when the gen 5 first came into forza and then when the first pre-production cars had actually been road tested because because what i what i reasoned what, what i what i created was a timeline of a general chain of events and from what I can, from what I could and can deduce, they would have had to use the Gen 5 show car for the most part for a lot of what we see in the Gen 5 GTS and Forza, given when it came out. Because more likely than not, very few production parts or pre-production -produ pre parts, prototype parts, would have been ready for turn 10 when they were scanning the Viper. 
as the road as the road test cars, the pre-production cars, wouldn't be ready for many more months. So, yeah, go go watch that video. It's under Viper Week. I think there's a Viper Week playlist. It's the first. It should be the first video in the playlist. Great video, a really lovely video. Uh, that's well presented. It's a little quick, but well presented, and I think well reasoned, well argued. Uh, hopefully, it's not it's not as fringe as it may sound. But really, there's some genuine discrepancies with the Gen Five in Forza games, and it seems to me, it seems like it can't be any other, any other car but the New York Show car. The the similarities are staggering. They are they are not ignorable almost undeniable so that video that video was not necessarily fun to make because it, it the production value was very high but that required a lot of effort and a lot of time was spent on that video but the end product brings a tear to my eye it honestly does the second best video i did in viper week was a much sillier video it was just a tag a game of tag in forza motorsport 7 where i took a gen 4 viper to see how well i could do with it and oh my god, there it was so scary. It was so hilarious. There was a lot of yelling, but that was I. I had so much fun that day. It was terrifying. It was it was a genuinely exhilarating day. The game. It was. You should watch the video. It's the the video I just talked about prior to this one is educate is is fun educational, mostly educational, a little less fun. This video is just straight entertainment. It's hilarious. Uh, it was, it was so scary. And I did more than one match, if I remember correctly. And I just, kept, I kept getting chased. I, man, I want to do a video like that again. That was pure entertainment, plain and simple. It was too much fun. I loved doing that video. So that was my second favorite, second favorite video. I think the third favorite has to be the Nürburgring. And then the last, last two automation both the automation videos and then the last one after that, probably the Assetto Corsa RT10 one, which was a just a montage of me driving about six or seven tenths up a hill climb mod. I had an Assetto Corsa with an RT10 Viper mod. I had an Assetto Corsa. That was probably the one the one video I was, the, hell, the one piece of content I was the least proud of because it was such a simple, boring video to me. But I, I also had never done a video like that. I was like, you know, I want to see what I can do. I want to just kind of mess around and try it. See what I can do as far as a, a potentially cinematic video goes. And I think it went pretty okay. Uh, even though it, it wasn't the type of video I really wanted to have in Viper Week. It it did its job. It, it was the second video, I think, in Viper Week. And then the podcast, well, most of you should know about that. The podcasts were fun. Some of them were long. Some of them were pretty long. Some of them were short. And I was a little disappointed by that because I wanted I wanted all long podcasts, like at least half an hour at, at the at the minimum, so that it really felt like a kind of like a high quality content dump where you're just learning and learning and soaking up all this information. And so with the ones that were short, I was a bit disappointed by that, but I didn't have any other articles that I knew of I could turn to, so I was like, well, crap. You know, it is what it is. I just hope that if it's not long, I hope it's it's short and sweet. You know, it's a high quality, short article. That's what I was hoping. And some, I think most of them were. I think most of them were pretty good for that. Maybe one or two weren't as up there as I was hoping. But yeah. So, yeah. But if there's one thing you probably should know, or one thing you should take away from this entire discussion, is that Viper Week 
was very haphazardly put together at that time. Like I, I wanted to do a video intro, like a whole intro for the website, uh, introducing Viper Week. And I had so many plans, you know, the two content, two articles, two podcasts, two photos, two videos per day. I just didn't have the time. And I, and I was getting up early. I was working late. I was pulling all-nighters and I still barely managed it. And yeah, Viper Week was very haphazardly put together. So the only thing that I really, the only thing that bothered me and bothers me now, but even not that much about Viper Week was the fact that I had two, three late articles, two later than the, first, than the three generations one, and then the late video. But for how haphazardly planned it was and for how much, for how much production value was put into my first ever Viper Week and then all the social media that went into it and all the rest of it, I'm honestly, I'm still very pleased. Like I got about 75% of the content out on time. So I'm really not displeased with myself. It's like you planned it. You know, it was a late idea. You had lofty goals. You met, you scaled back a little bit and you got 75% of the way there. And that, that's honestly all, all I could really hope for is that I delivered about 75% of the way there on time for a haphazardly planned content dump. And some of the articles, I think they're just my best articles ever. The auto, the auto art review, the, the, first impression of writing in the Gen 5, the Pacifica prototype, even the Carmen concept and the V8 Viper article and the three generations one that just, all of them are such high quality pieces to me. Uh, and getting them, most of them out on time was quite an achievement. And then the conspiracy video and then the Asano Corsa video, because I was trying to time the clips when the camera would cut. And, uh, I was trying to time the cuts correctly so that it would flow properly rather than it be like 10 seconds behind. So you didn't feel like you just watched that bit from a different perspective. Yeah, I'm, I'm still very pleased with how Viper Week ultimately turned out despite being haphazardly planned. And I haven't even talked about the photos because I had, I had the idea of doing seven photos on my Instagram for a week, for Viper Week. And that was probably the most haphazard, that was probably the scariest thing of, of all the Viper Week stuff I was trying to do outside of the articles because I had no good Gen 3 or 4 photos of mine anywhere on my computer. None. I had a Gen 4 ACRX photo, but it was, and I have a few of them, but they're not good. They're, they're, they're taken with an old Fuji camera, and they're not that sharp. And yeah, I could edit them, but they just wouldn't be as good as if I could just take, as if I could find a new Gen 4 or, no, as if I could find a Gen 4 or 3 and then take new photos of those. So March, I guess it was relatively early March when it came to the photos because I went to the Loveland Cars and Coffee meet, the one where that Hellcat crashed. I was there for that. I didn't see it happen, actually. I, I was talking to my mom. I Because I was changing my battery in my camera, walk back, walk back out, and then I see an ambulance or something go by. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? Hellcat pulled a Mustang, basically. But I was at that car meet, and what I found, thankfully what I found was a Gen 2, two Gen 2s and a Gen 5. So I'm like, okay, sweet. Now I have a new Gen 5 image I can use. I had a few Gen 5 images, uh, even ones taken with my new M50, but I'm like, it doesn't hurt to have new, updated, different photos rather than just reusing older ones. So I was very pleased with that. And then the Gen 2, I'm like, okay, sick. I had Gen 2 photos. I had some from Meekum actually for my, with my Canon M50 as well. And those were okay, but the ones that I got at Loveland were way better. So I'm like, yeah, no, we're just gonna use those. We're absolutely going to use the ones that I took. So I was happy. But I was also a little displeased because I'm like, there's no Gen 3 here and there's no Gen 4. Are you serious? 
And I was in a pinch because I knew for a fact, if I had to, I had Gen 5 photos I could use. And I had a ton of Gen 2 photos I could use. I didn't need new photos of those cars. I still used them because they were better, but I didn't need it. They weren't necessary. So I was a little bit, I was a tiny bit miffed, mostly because I was, I was on a time scale. I was, I was on, uh, I was on a deadline. I was on a deadline. I was like, uh, and there's no guarantee with Viper numbers being so low, there's no guarantee you're going to see one at any event. So I was like, I have to pray to God there's going to be another event soon and there's going to be a Gen 3 or 4 there, there. Maybe both. Because I am in a real pickle right now. I am in a big conundrum. Or I have a big conundrum here. So April rolls around. I'm, I am up to my bottom lip in Viper Week. No joke. I am completely up to my bottom lip in Viper Week. There's two events. There's one up in Fort Collins, which is two hours away from where I live. Which I had talked to one of the Viper owners at the Loveland event. He said he, who said he was going to be there. And so I thought about that. And then there was another event about 30 minutes away from here, much closer, at the Mike Ward dealership. The, and it's, it's an exotic car dealership. And part of my problem with the Fort Collins was that it was two hours away. There was no guarantee it was going to be the Viper I needed there. And you probably had to pay to get it. And it was, it was a donation for a good cause. But I was like, I, I can't justify going two hours away, paying to go into a car meet, and then not seeing a Viper. The whole My whole purpose for going there in the first place. So... I, I was like, eh, I want to go and, you know, chat chat with the Viper owner again. I really do. But I'm, I went to Loveland for Viper Week. And I'm going to go to another car event for Viper Week. That's my entire purpose for going out to these car, car meets at this moment in time. So I decided, okay, Mike Ward, dealership, high end. You know, this is looking good. Hopefully there's going to be a Viper there. And apparently that dealership, and they did actually, I saw it. And took photos of it for Viper Week, but they were they were selling a Gen Three. They had a Gen Three for sale, and I'm like, okay, hopefully the car's not going to be sold by the time I get there. Hopefully, I'll be able to see it. It's not going to be hidden away somewhere because then I'm really screwed. Thankfully, no. They actually took those cars out, let them sit in the sun, and there was a Gen Three and a Gen Four there, and I and I was like, sick. Thank the Lord, Gen Three and Four. One event, bam. One fell swoop. So that event, that event saved my bacon. And that event happened like the 25th of April, I think. Maybe the 26th. It was, there were maybe five days, maybe four days left in April until May 1st hit. That's how, that's how haphazard Viper Week was. That is how, how frantic getting it all done was. I was four days away from Viper Week starting and I'm, and I'm here at an event not working at Viper Week at that time because I'm at an event and not at home, trying to get photos for Viper Week. It was just nuts. It was absolutely crazy. But I got the photos I needed. I got them done. And it all worked out wonderfully. So, yeah, Viper Week was very haphazardly done, was very, was a, was absolutely a last-minute project, sadly. But... Seeing nothing but Viper content on my homepage, on my website, was such a joy. It was such a... Honestly, it really was a gift. And getting all the stories I've been sitting on finally out for the first time in ages and getting it off my shoulders was just like, whoo! Thank the Lord. It's done. It's out there. I am so happy about that. I'm so pleased. And I am now. I, I am even now. So the only thing that would make 
Viper Week, this Viper Week better is if I got the chance to drive one. But seeing as I don't know how to drive a manual, uh, I think that's not going to happen until maybe next Viper Week. Maybe. And even that's pushing it. But yeah, so that's that's everything that happened with Viper Week. Everything I think that's worth mentioning. Uh, yeah, so Viper Week was just manic. was just insane. But that that's behind the scenes of what went into Viper Week and what went into trying to get it done. Trying to get it done. At least 70% of it done on time. So yeah, it was it was crazy. But I'm looking forward to doing it again because there's still more stuff I can talk about. There's more stuff to talk about. And, you know, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I'm hoping I can realize my initial, my initial vision of Viper Week a little bit better this time. Because I have a lot more time to do it. And I have a better idea of what I'm doing, right? So... But we'll see. We'll see. But I am planning on doing it and I am planning on working on it early so I get a little bit more time to... Because before I actually stop talking about it, I was going to, like, on the seventh day of Viper Week, on the eighth day, I was just going to get back to content. Like, business as usual. It wasn't going to be this delay. It wasn't going to be this, what, month and a half delay of working on Viper Week. It was going to be a week-long content dump and then back to your usual... Back to your usual schedule for every content type. But... Because the articles and then the video took so long that unfortunately just didn't end up happening. So yeah, but hopefully this time get it all done early, get it all scheduled early, all that stuff. And then get back to regularly scheduled content. You know, the, have that, realize the vision I had for how Viper Week would end and how I'd continue on after the fact. And then realize the vision for how I wanted Viper Week to be. I don't know if I'm going to do two articles a day and all that stuff. I don't know. I want to, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I at least have a lot more time to come up with ideas, but I'm really not sure. But we'll see. We'll see. In any case, though, I am excited to do Viper Week again. More ideas, and I've got more connections at my disposal this time to make some different kind of content. So stay, you know, uh, look forward to that. You can definitely look forward to that. I, I know I am. It's going to be a lot of fun putting putting together the Viper Week I envisioned more or less uh, last year. But let's let's move on to the next thing that's in my... One note. What is the next thing in my one note, actually? Oh! Oh, we have going to the Loveland Cars and Coffee. Right. Well, I guess we kind of talked about that, but I could talk about it a little bit more in uh, at length. So let me pause, drink a water, and then we'll talk about that. So as you just heard, my whole reason for going to Loveland Cars and Coffee was so I could get some photos for Viper Week because I needed some. So it was... What did I say? It was in March. I think it was roughly middle March. I don't know. My... my Time frame, my chronological order for when Viper Week was kind of getting underway is now a bit messed up, but the Loveland Cars and Coffee, I think, was either roughly middle of March or late March. I think it might have been late March. And that one, you know, that one was kind of interesting because it was early in the year. It was kind of cold because it was March. Uh, and it was that was a bit of a drive, too. I think that was like an hour up north, and I drove because... No, I had my driver's permit at the time. Mom was with me. And we're going up. We're going up north. We're going up to Loveland. Up 25. Boring as hell. It's just... I mean, I say that. It's kind of boring, except for when there's a few curves here and there. But largely, it's just farmland up north. It's kind of it's kind of dull. But they're doing some work up there. And I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea what that project is. So I, I might need to find out because it's a, it's a little interesting. But they're basically jacking up 25 near the Loveland area. 
And, <laughs> and that's not even the worst part because we get off a of 25, off to a slip road. We turn or off a we get onto an off ramp, turn left at an intersection, and we have another 15, 20 minutes to go inland. We got to go inland in order to, and I say inland relative to where the highway was, in order to even get to this little town where the where the meets even being hosted. Oh my God, that was a drive and a half, and that was a that was relatively early morning too. So. That was not not a bad drive, I guess, but not the I not the circumstances were not ideal. But we make it there. We we pull up, and me and mom are like, okay, where is it? It's either on the left or the right. Like we don't know. So we keep going down the main the main town road, and we see a bunch of people because we're getting closer. We see a bunch of people on the left and the right side of the road, and then I see a C eight pull out from the left side because there's it, it's funny because they have. A few cars parked on the left side, which is like a smaller meet, and then everyone else is on the right side. So you have the so you have the same meet split up in two places, and and the only way to get between both is to walk across a four lane road that's split up by by a, I think a divider in the middle. No, no, just by a solid solid yellow line in the middle. But yeah, so it's it was almost like two different meets going on, but it was a part of the same meet, so it was a little weird. But we find. We we turn turn left, go into the little side road trying to find parking. But yeah, the C eight. I was a little I was a little disappointed seeing that C eight pull out almost the instant I get there. It's like what I just got here. Someone's already leaving. Like why 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 have you done this? But we park and we parked at a great spot because right in front, nearly right in front of the car actually was, if I remember correctly, it was an authentic. 289 v8 mark one shelby cobra and when i tell you that that's one of the sexiest 60 sports cars i've ever seen in my life just it's so pure it's so pure it's so innocent it's so unadulterated and don't get me wrong i love the wide body bad boy cobras uh, of the mark ii and i think what mark three cobras i love those but mostly mark threes but there's something so perfect about a thin body 289 Mark One Cobra. It's just so simple. That to me is the distilled essence of Cobra. Whereas, it's like when the when the Countach came out and it didn't have the wing. It, it was still weird, but it didn't have the wing. It didn't have the body kit, right? It was, it was distilled angularity. Well, that's kind of what the Mark One Two Eighty Nine thin body Cobras are like. Even though most of us, I think, prefer the wide body wide body Countaches and then certainly the wide body. Cobras. And I got a few photos of that car. That was definitely outside of the Vipers, that was that was probably the best car I saw. It was definitely a favorite. Up there with the Vipers. It was gorgeous. It looked heavenly. And so I'm I'm just enjoying myself. I'm taking photos. I'm looking for Vipers. I find a few. Uh but I'm just enjoying myself because at that point it had been months. I think it had been since October of 2020, maybe November of 2020, since I had been to a car meet. And so it was the first, first, firstly, it was my first ever Cars and Coffee. Secondly, it was the first car meet of the season. It was the first car meet since all the, since all the frosting of the, of the winter. And so I was just enjoying, enjoying myself like hell because I'd been, you know, obviously inside for a long time, plus COVID, so no sledding. And so it was just so great being in the presence of other car enthusiasts, just the atmosphere. It was so cool. I, I enjoyed it a lot. 
there was a black Gen 2, I think in 2002, because it had the it had the later Gen 2 five-spoke, the thick five-spoke wheels. Uh, there was that one. There was, I think, a 19, was it a 1990s? It might, it might have also been a later Gen 2. It was gray. It was actually neither Gen 2 had racing stripes, but it was, the first Gen 2 was black. The second one was a gray, which was really cool, and it had Sidewinder two wheels from the Gen 5, which were gorgeous. Not the first time I've seen Gen 5s. Gen 2, sorry, with the Gen 5 Sidewinder two wheels. That seems to be a fairly popular wheel for Gen 2s, actually. It's a bit interesting. But yeah, there was that, that, and a silver Gen 5 ACR, which I really had to pull myself away from because... And I did take photos of it, but I knew that I had to get photos of the Gen 2 and a lot of them because I didn't have many good modern or recent Gen 2 photos. So... Yeah, and unfortunately, the Gen 5 left relatively soon-ish after I got there, but I have a lot of good photos, of which I think most of them are up on my Instagram right now. You have to scroll quite a bit, but they are there. Um, but yeah, they were lovely. That, that, that car was lovely. It was a silver, no stripe, very clean looking. And I think it had some aftermarket, it had some aftermarket vent bezels because they were carbon fiber and they were clear. They had no grill insert in them, and I've seen those around on Instagram. They're aftermarket. But yeah, that 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 car I spent a bit of time around because that favorite Gen of Viper. But the Gen 2s, I love getting photos of and being around those, which is really cool. I got a photo of the Gen 2. I got a photo of the Gen 2 with its hood up and a lot of really good ones, actually. Actually, with its hood up. So yeah, that went well. And then I kept getting photos of the Vipers because the Vipers were there. And I didn't. I wasn't that bothered with a lot of the other ones, if I'm honest. Not that I didn't like them, but again, I was there for a purpose. Uh, I had, I had done something. I think I had ran out of battery. So I walked back, I walked back to my mom's car to open, open the tailgate, put my backpack down, get the batteries out, you know, do all that kind of stuff, do all of the necessary camera stuff. And we're just talking, talking about the event. I'm having fun. I get the battery changed in the camera, suit back up. I walk out. And then I think I see, if I remember correctly, I have to see an ambulance. I think I see an ambulance rush by and I see a ton of people on the sidewalk near the main road. I'm like, what the hell just happened here? What? And I'm like, please, God, please tell me what I think happened. Hasn't just happened. And unfortunately, yeah, a Hellcat pulled a Mustang trying to peel out of the right side, trying to peel out of the right side of the car meet. And I watched the video. I actually watched a few videos after the fact. And somehow the guy just lost traction. And what was weird, if I remember the video correctly, let's see what had happened. It's just... He lost traction in such a weird way, in, in such a bizarre way. And unfortunately, what happened is he hit a truck with a family in it. And the truck had pivoted because, oops, sorry, that was my, I don't know why, but my spoon on my bowl just, okay. But anyway, it had pit maneuvered the truck and then the truck flipped over onto, I think onto its side. It might have flipped over onto its roof. Thankfully, the family was okay. But yeah, that. That guy, I don't know what happened after the fact. I don't know <laughs> if he got, I mean, he probably did get charged, but I don't know if like a lawsuit happened. I'm not sure, but that incident was so bad. That meet, that spot actually closed down, which was so, so sad. And what's worse is that that was a good middle point between Fort Collins. I mean, I say good middle point, but it's probably like, it's another hour to Fort Collins from Loveland. But for where I am compared to Fort Collins, it's a good it's a good middle ground between those who live up north and then those who live a little bit further south, though not Colorado Springs south. And so that meet unfortunately closed down because of that accident. It makes sense. It honestly makes sense, but it's just, it's such a shame. 
that one person ruins a spot like that for everyone. But that Hellcat wasn't the only one being a bit rowdy. I saw a 71 Ford Mustang Mach 1, I believe, a fastback, try to peel out, and he, they very nearly caused another accident. It was really close. They were not careful. He got a bit of a tank slapper on, thankfully got it under control, but whoo, it was sketchy. It was extremely, extremely sketchy, but you know, credit to the Loveland Fire Department and the Police Department, because they got that thing cleared up in about an hour, reopened the road. They worked extremely quickly, so hats off to their to the Loveland first responders for that, because they got there quickly, made sure everyone was okay, closed down the road, got it all sorted, and then got the road open, opened up enough to let traffic through then. So I was very surprised by, by their speed, because I've, I've never seen anything like it. That, that kind of speed, maybe except for a house fire, actually, that was behind us but yeah so that's pretty much what happened it was just a trip for viper week i got a photo of an alfa romeo 4c i didn't actually spend a lot of time with that car sadly but yeah and i missed i think i missed a few people i know on instagram that also go to car events i just i totally missed them and that sucks but yeah so it, it it was sad that the event closed down and it was sad that people were leaving rather early but Prior to the accident, I had really enjoyed my time, and I really want to go to another car, Cars and Coffee. Not that I drink coffee, but I do want to go to another one, because it's just, it's such a chill atmosphere. It's so fun, especially if you get, like, music. And I don't mean anything, I don't mean, like, a grid life, just something nice and chill, relaxed, you know, just great, great crowd music, then, yeah, it'd be brilliant. It would be absolutely excellent. And that's kind of the way that I felt when it came to the Mike Ward event I went to in April a little bit later. Was, I don't. I don't know if they had music. They might have. I. I don't think I was paying attention. It wasn't a Cars and Coffee, but it had a similar. It had a similar feeling to it. It. It imparted upon me a similar feeling, and so I once again I enjoyed myself a lot. It was so much fun. I enjoyed myself a lot more once I found out the two Vipers I needed were there because then I wouldn't have to worry about trying to find another event like four days before Viper Week started. And yeah, I had I had so much fun at. Mike Ward and Loveland. It was, I just, I love going to those events. And I love, actually, I liked going to ACC last year as well for their Concours d'Elegance, which I might talk about a little bit later. That's, that's a bit of a small event. I say it's a small event. It was definitely small this year. You know what? Hell, we'll get into it now. So outside of that, the other thing I went to last year after the Viper Days reunion was the, Vi was the Arapahoe Community College Concours d'Elegance. And that was unfortunately a little bit of a letdown for me because the turnout was not as good as it had been years prior when I had went. And you might argue, well, COVID, but the VDR had a lot of people. Lovely Carson Coffee had a lot of people. Mike Ward had a lot of people. And I would have expected a, a greater turnout. I honestly would have. But when I got there, it was like, this is kind of empty compared to prior years. So I was a bit sad by that. But there were still some interesting cars and I went and did did my thing, recorded my videos. In fact, I've just finished today compiling everything and color grading and all that stuff. So ACC will come out very soon, expect it this month. So that I'm very happy for that because that's obviously a long time coming. But yeah, as much as it was sparsely populated, I did talk to quite a few really nice people. I, I just, I love, honestly, doing that event, I just had a, such an appreciation for just going out to events and just talking about cars to a camera. As much as I'm not a thousand percent comfortable, with talking about cars to a camera when other people are watching. I just love it. It's so, I don't know, it just, it, it satisfies me. It, re it really does satisfy me. I just love going around talking about cars. Because I, I know I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm, I'm 
I stick to what I know. I, I, what I like is what I like, and I tend to stay in that realm pretty, con- pretty consistently. So being in a, being in an environment where I am going around talking about other cars and appreciating other cars, I, I really, I, I enjoyed it immensely. I had a lot of fun with that, especially because there were a few interesting cars there, like a BMW 1M. That was so awesome. So yeah, yeah. I loved I loved ACC. Despite the fact that I was hoping there'd be more Mopars, there weren't. It is what it is. I, I still enjoyed the cars over there. There was a Lancia Fulvia. There was a Lancia Fulvia, and it had a Subaru 2.5 liter boxer engine swap. No one ever changed no one ever restomods, because apparently it was a restomod. No one ever restomods a Lancia. They restomod Camaros, Mustangs, Challengers. Jaguar E-types even, but never ever see a WrestleMod Atlantia, let alone Atlantia in the U.S., right? So I, man, I coveted that car. I adored the hell out of it. I was, I think I got a good few photos of that car because you, you never, you never see one. And I don't know when I'm going to see one again because it can't be Atlantia Club in Colorado, right? That, I would, you know how, I should look up, I should look that up and see if there is one. But I can't imagine they go to many events or put on many events because that's a, that's a, that's a niche group of cars among an already niche interest, like Vipers are. So, yeah, but I love that. I saw a Volvo P1800 uh, shooting brake right next to the Lancia, actually, which was amazing. There was a Mitsubishi 3000 GT, uh, GTO or is it GT? I can't remember anymore. Uh, and it was in surprisingly nice condition, actually. And that that for that fact alone, I was dr- I was drawn to the car, but. It, the owners came out to me after I did my video, and it turns out that the car had actually been crashed. It had been in an accident, and they did some they did some work on it to fix it. So, as good as it looked, it wasn't always that nice. It actually had been fixed because I had said in the video that most of the time when you see Mitsubishi 3000 GT, certainly Dodge Stealths, unfortunately they're mostly busted up or clapped out or just very poorly maintained. And so to see a nice one was such a joy. But it turns out that that one had led a very similar life, which was hilarious. Uh, there was a Panos, Esper- a Panos Esperante convertible, which was really cool. And I found out actually that it uses, if I remember correctly, a 4.6 liter supercharged Ford V8. And if you're, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, yeah, it's the same V8 that you can get in new edge Terminator Mustangs. And that I was like a supercharged American V8 sports car. If I didn't know any better, this would be like the early Jaguar F type SVR. Like that's, that's kind of what it was like. Sans the option for all wheel drive. But it's a, it's a supercharged V8 sports car. That's well... And, th- and the Panos Esperante was an early 2000s vehicle. That's well before supercharging ever came to the Corvette Z06. Or the ZR1 for that matter. So, that... Those are rare. Those are rare. I've I've seen them a little bit in Forza. And I think I drove a little bit of them. But I haven't delved into Panos in, to any reasonable extent. So, to see one was like, wow! You know, there's a car I haven't thought about in a really long time. And so that was really cool. It was also in a, in a stunning shade of red. An absolutely jaw-dropping shade of red. If I... Man. I'd love to have that red. Hell, I'd love to have that car, frankly. I just... I'd love to have that car. It was, it was incredible. It was amazing. But there was that. There were a collection of sobs. I didn't get to talk about them, sadly. It was only like a two-hour event. Maybe an hour and a half. And I had spent a lot of... Unfortunately... I had a lot of, I spent a lot of time, enjoyed time, don't get me wrong, but I did spend a lot of time talking to a few people around the place. And so my time greatly diminished by that point. So I didn't get to talk about 
any one Saab at length and a few other cars, but I do have POV shots of me walking uh, of me walking around and looking at the cars. So yeah, but I, I enjoyed ACC. I really did, despite despite the fact I wish there were more cars there and I had more time to talk about the other cars that were there, I really did enjoy myself. Just it felt so right going around, talking about cars, just speaking about little tidbits that I know about them. Uh, to a camera, it was so to an audience, well, to a potential audience, it was really, really, really satisfying. I'm not sure if it if it's fulfilling, but it felt right. It was gratifying, so I really did enjoy that. Yeah. So let me let's go let me go into OneNote here. Let's see. We got that. We talked about ACC. What's what's the next thing? All right. So the next thing I technically have to talk about is April, where most of the month was spent creating Viper Week. I didn't I didn't say that, uh, but I did talk about where Viper Week went wrong, and that was in May. But just to just to clarify, because I know I kind of I didn't talk about everything in Viper Week perfectly in order. So April, the majority of that month for Viper Week was spent creating. It was spent creating the content, was spent writing a lot of the early articles, was spent editing. And doing the voiceover actually for a lot of videos uh, and actually recording a lot of podcasts as well. April, that was the month where I, where I had to spend the most time creating Viper Week because, you know, first week of May. So April was an absolute madhouse for that. And then as I talked about with the articles being late, that's, that happened in May when Viper Week was supposed to happen. So the last three articles for what would it be? Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they were late. And then the video, yeah, they were late. Or that one video was late, yeah. So May is when it went, is when everything went wrong for the aforementioned reason of it got stuck and then I'm fixated on one article. But yeah, and so then June to July, after after when I got Viper Week finished, uh, my, mom, my mom and dad had a trip, had a trip to Las Vegas for a job, for, uh, for their occupation. And me and my sister decided that we would volunteer at the event and handle some, you know, typical volunteer stuff. And that, that thankfully wasn't that long. That was like a three day thing, if I remember correctly. So we were only, you know, in and out pretty quickly. So that wasn't that bad. I say that wasn't that bad. Not that, not that the volunteering was bad. I actually really enjoyed it. We were at Caesar's Palace. It was, you know, (laughs) I never knew there was any place on earth, but any place in America that still allowed smoking indoors. Until we went to Caesar's Palace first day and I got in the place and I'm like, whoa, what? Oh, this sucks. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It, it, was, it wasn't even a slap in the face. It was someone licking their hand and then full sending it across my face. It was, that, it was unfortunately that nasty. So I, I honestly, by the end of it, felt like my lung capacity had shrunk by, by a factor of two. That's what it was like, because there was even where we well, thankfully not where we were, but with the main lobby, it was smoke everywhere. And I was going to that main lobby a lot because a lot of people were getting lost because Caesar's Palace is huge. Like you think some malls are huge. Caesar's Palace is two malls in one building. That is legitimately what it's like. And so I had been going to the to the main lobby a lot, trying to make sure a lot of the attendees weren't getting lost just trying to find the Starbucks, trying to find wherever so they could get themselves situated or even just to find themselves, even just to find themselves, even to get themselves back to the main lecture, lecture hall. It was a madhouse. It was a madhouse. It, honestly, 
one time and this now thankfully this wasn't the main this wasn't the main lobby but people were getting so a whole group of people got lost on the first escalator near the lecture near the lecture room near the lecture ballroom near the ballroom and it goes nowhere it doesn't go to the main lobby it only goes out to the pool but i think it's mostly it's it's mostly just a bunch more rooms and some other stuff for the staff for the hotel staff and a whole swath of people rush out like it's recess at preschool go down the first escalator because they they didn't they've completely forgotten that you have to go down a hall and make a turn to get to the correct escalator they all go down there and i'm like oh my god no no because <laughs> me and sis had been down there the night before just so we could figure out our way around so we could best help people and so when i see this entire group of people go down the escalator i'm sitting there like what are you doing don't you remember there's a long hallway you got to get to first? Like, it's not right outside the hall. But maybe maybe people thought that it would connect. I don't know. Maybe they thought it would connect and that it was a shortcut. It was not a shortcut at all by any means necessary. So this whole group of people go down, goes down the escalator. Uh, I don't remember. I'm, hopefully I had completed or was off duty for one of my tasks. I might, have, I might have just come out of the bathroom about to go back to my post. And I see that and I'm like... No, there's going to be so many people that are lost. They're going to spend their entire lunchtime down there lost trying to figure their way. So I go down there and I'm like, oh God, this is damage control. Because there's so many people trying to figure, figure their way around. There's an elevator that no one knows where it goes. And <laughs> it just gets to a point where I'm like, where I'm, like I'm going to have to speak up like a tour guide and guide everyone back to where you're supposed to go to get to the main lobby so that you can make your way to the food court. And that was, that was a harrowing moment for me because I'm like, because I'm, I'm an introvert. So I'm thinking to myself, oh God, I have to speak up and I have to hope that I'm right. Because if I'm not right, now I'm going to look like a fool <laughs> in front of more than two dozen people. And I'm not joking when I say that way more than at least 30 people minimum. I'm going to look like a fool if I get it wrong. And so I, in my mind, I'm racing to weigh, weigh the, the pros and cons. Like, okay, if I, if I speak up, I could potentially look like a fool or get more people lost or get people confused. But if I don't speak up, people are absolutely going to be lost, confused, not know where to go, and maybe spend their entire lunch, entire lunch just trying to figure out how to get to the main lobby. So I just decide, screw it. I have to say something. I have to get everyone to follow me back up the escalator and point them back to the right direction. Because I'm pretty, I was like, I'm, I'm at least 75%. I'm at least 80% sure I know how to get these people back to where they want to go. At the very least, back to, to get them going the right direction to go to the main lobby. So I'm like, all right, listen up, everyone. We're going to go back up the escalator so that you can get to the main lobby and blah, blah, blah. I don't remember what I said. But a lot of people have followed me and yeah, they, they realized, oh, wait, no, yeah, this is the way we're supposed to go. So, whew, yeah, crisis averted, but... Yeah, so the volunteering was a lot of fun. It was it was hectic, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it immensely. It was, uh, it, it's funny. I'm not I'm not not a people person, but I'm still an introvert, so I kind of prefer my own solitude. But no, honestly, I had a lot of fun being high energy, being sociable, friendly, you know, approachable. Not that I'm not all the time, but I I I really enjoyed helping people at at, at the conference because it was a conference. I really did enjoy doing that and just being of service to people in a way that mattered.
I'd say in a way that mattered, but uh, just being able to help them, yeah. I, re- I really did enjoy that. It was so much, so much fun and so fulfilling. So I'm hoping if there's, assuming I'm not too busy with my own stuff and, you know, COVID doesn't boofle this one again, because it actually, that last conference got boofled twice over thanks to COVID. Uh, no, no, one time, one time, one time over. Uh, then I'm more than happy to volunteer again because I, I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it was hectic. My feet hurt like hell at the end of the day. And I think I was in my comfortable shoes. I was in my comfortable shoes and my feet still hurt. But it was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, so then, so June and July, one of the two, I think it was July. Yeah, it was July. Little trip to Las Vegas. June, it was, you know, finishing Viper Week, trying to get back into the flow of things, yada, yada. And then August. August was the Viper Day reunion. Now, before I get into that, I'm going to take a break. I need another sip of water because I've been talking for a long time now. And my mouth is feeling extremely dry. All right. So Viper Days reunion. That might have been, you know, that might have come as a shock to some of you that watch my YouTube channel who saw the VDR part one video. We're just like, what the hell is that? Like what the first big Viper event? Is it really a big, it, it was a big Viper event. And but <laughs> you know what's funny about it is that I think I saw, I think I saw that event sometime in February. Was it February? Was it February? Oh my god. I don't even know at this point. I'm pretty sure it was early because I browsed the Viper Owners Association forms, Drive VOA forms every single day. I check every day for new updates uh, because I'm obsessed. And I saw in the track section for like their track events and whatnot, Viper Day Reunion. I saw a form headline for that. And I was like, okay, this sounds kind of interesting. I should check this out. And I read it and I'm going through it. I'm like, oh my god, this is huge. You know, this is cool. And then I go to their website because they have the website linked. And, the th- you know, what really sold me on doing the VDR was they had they had a list of, of everything that was going to happen day by day. So what, what was going to happen on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And if I remember correctly, Saturday, they were going to have a banquet. And they were going to show off a Viper that had never been seen before to the general public or, or, or to a lot, of, a lot of other Viper enthusiasts, Viper owners, etc. They hadn't been seen. By any other Viparian, as I've said. Uh, and I was like, I have got to go there to see that. So it's it's not that I didn't want to go see competition coops and all that stuff. No, 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 no. I did want to go see that. But the big draw for me was there was going to be a Viper unveiled there that had never, ever been seen before. And as someone that's, that really appreciates... I say it really appreciates. That's just been hopelessly obsessed with learning more and more and more about the car pretty much anything that i can that to me was an absolute no-brainer that's what sold me the moment i read that i was like i i god i really want to go i really 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 want to go to see what this viper to see what this viper is like oh my god because with the with viper week with viper week and that forza that forza conspiracy video that kind of stuff I live for. The Viper Pacifica prototype, that I live for that kind of stuff. That little known develop, developmental knowledge that just isn't known to the general public. All the almost like the, the backstory of Viper, right? I live for that. And that car symbolized that to me. And so I it was a must-go for me. An absolute must-go. And you know, lo and behold, August comes around. I make my Instagram post about the fact that, hey, I got my ticket. I'm flying out. And I'm nervous as hell. I am 
a nervous wreck because I'm taking all my camera gear out. I'm taking my M50. I'm taking my backpack. I'm taking, I got a new laptop. I'm taking a laptop so I can edit while I'm there. I'm, and, and that's not something I've ever done before, taking camera gear on a flight with me. And my greatest worry is trying to get through customs because I don't want them to confiscate my backpack, my laptop, my camera, God forbid any of the batteries or any of that stuff. So I'm terrified. I'm like, please, God, please get me through customs. Please get me through customs. And I, I prepared. I asked a guy on Instagram, JT underscore take. Shout out to you, my man. I asked him because he's been through that before. You know, what do I need to do to make sure none of my stuff gets confiscated? So I'm like, I'm, I'm terrified i don't want any of my stuff getting confiscated because then bam i'm boofled i'm ruined and i'm not even and i'm not just ruined for going to the video i'm not ruined when i get i'm not only ruined when i get there i'm ruined when i get back because i still don't have my camera gear and i had acc two weeks after that so i am terrified and it's early in the morning when we get to dia it's like 4 a.m I'm, I'm, I've just got RBF. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I can't imagine how unenthused my face looks. Just a complete deadpan look because all that's going through my mind is here. It, okay. Here it comes. Here it is. You just got to make it through. You just got to get through. Oh man, that was terrifying. But what was hilarious was that it was over almost as soon as it started. We get through customs. I have all my stuff. No one's stolen anything. Thank God. So it was, thankfully, it was a non-issue. It really was a non-issue. So I was, it, it was over before I had the chance to even stop worrying. That's how quickly and seamlessly me and dad got through customs. But yeah, it, man, that, it was so early and I didn't even, I didn't sleep well that night. It was, I didn't go to bed till like 1 a.m., got up at 3, uh, showered. Thankfully, I had packed the day before, so I had pretty much all my stuff. I had forgotten one thing. Not before we got out of the house. I thankfully packed it, but yeah. Oh my god. It was it was stressful. Very, very stressful. But Yep, so we get through I have my phone on me. And so I'm just listening to whatever song on YouTube. And honestly, that was and I hate to say this, it's gonna sound so Gen Z and so pretentious, but that was a vibe. Walking through the airport with my earbuds in, listening to whatever it was I was listening to, I that I really enjoyed, just being in my own world, just getting from customs to the terminal. That I had, that was just enjoyable. It really was rather enjoyable. So yeah, that was, that was pretty okay. That was fine. Then we get to, we get to our gate. It's like an hour, hour and a half, almost, it might have been two hours before our flights even, even here to go to Wisco. And so I'm, I'm just sitting there. I don't even know. I think I'm watching I'm watching the Nürburgring video, my Nürburgring video. I'm doing that. Maybe a few other things here and there. I might I don't know if I messaged my sister at that time. But yeah, I'm pretty much doing nothing. Not nothing of nothing of great import. Actually no, I might have been on my laptop at the time. I don't remember what I was doing. I wasn't doing much. That's what I remember. I really wasn't doing much. But yeah. VDR getting getting up that early. Having the ticket the day before, well, actually quite a bit before, but all that stuff coming together and then being in, in, being in the airport to go to that event was surreal. It, it was almost unbelievable 
because I that's something at that point earlier in the year that's something I didn't think was going to happen. I really didn't think it was going to happen. I'm like, that's you know, it's going to be cool, it'd be fun, but you know, you know, another one of those disappointing things I'm just going to have to miss out on. But no, no, here I am, or here I there I was sitting in the airport waiting for the flight to come in. I've got the ticket. I've got all my camera gear. Life is good. I'm tired, but life is good. I, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it. Then we get on the flight. Uh, I have my drama mean. I don't sleep very well at all because I can't, I, I can't be comfortable. We land in Wisconsin. I had two drama means because it takes two drama means for me to not get terribly motion sick. And what that means is once, once you kind of settle down, you're, you're out like a light. You're gone. You're just, I, and we get the rental car. It's a Chevrolet Malibu. A tiny, it's actually small. The inter- the packaging in the interior is kind of bad. It's a very cramped feeling interior. Not that spacious. But skipping ahead a little bit to to the point of sleeping. We're, there's nothing where we're going for Wisconsin. Like we get out of the main city area, which was Milwaukee. We get out into the middle of nowhere, Sticks, Wisconsin. And I just, I can't stay awake. I'm closing my eyes. Just trying to catch it, you know, up three minutes of rest. And then before I know it, I'm out, like completely out. I wake up and we're in a completely different space. I mean, there's still farm, so it's not that much different, but I can tell some time has passed. And I'm like, oh God, I fell asleep. Like what? Oh, I fell asleep. And I felt bad for leaving my dad up, up to drive probably for what had been 30 minutes while I just sleep in the corner like a, like a, like a freeloader. But I was hurting. I was so tired. Especially because of the drama. I mean, I, I couldn't force myself to stay awake. Not, not without being irritated as hell. Because it, I, I forced myself to stay up so frequently that now I'm at the point where if I'm really tired, I just get mad. I get really grumpy. And so, and I've said this to a friend when trying to chat to them because we were, we're in very different time zones. I've said, I can't stand to stay up anymore. And what I mean by that is, I can't stand to be this grumpy and tired anymore. I'm going to bed. And it, and sometimes, what? In in some marriages, they're like, well, you know, don't go to bed mad. Because I think that was the case for the Huxtables with, with the Bill Cosby show. And I get that. And it's not necessarily that I'm going to bed mad at anyone else. I'm just mad that I'm up. Because I don't want to be up. I want to sleep. So if any of, if I ever say to any of you, I'm going to go to bed now. I can't stand to be awake. That's what I mean by that. That is exactly what I mean by that. I cannot bear to have my eyes open for any, any longer. Yeah, so going back a little bit. So we get out. We get off the plane. We're walking through Milwaukee. The Milwaukee airport. We get to the rental car and it's a Chevrolet Malibu. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, Ralph Jills, he likes to get non- Stellantis FCA brand cars to test out the competition. And that makes sense. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to take it in that spirit. I'm going to experience a car I normally wouldn't ever experience and see what it's like, you know, get that, get that experience, get that exposure and see what the Malibu was like. And me and dad both agreed we didn't really like it. It's, I didn't, what I really didn't like about it was the cramped interior. It's so because I thought the Malibu was a large, I thought it was classified as a large car, at least a midsize. And I swear to you, that dash was so close to me, I almost thought I was in a compact. The interior is wide. It is a, it is a fairly wide interior. It's just that the dash comes so close to you 
come so close to your chest. It's like, what's the point of having all that width? Like, what? It's like, it's like having a wide container that's got a slit in the top for paper. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah, it'll fit paper, but it's not going to fit, I don't know, a package. Right? It's like going to a mailbox and it can't fit a proper package. That's what the Malibu interior is like. Great for wide packages, not for thick packages at all. Not that, not that I am a thick package, but still, it was very annoying. And then what was weird is that the dash, the top of the dash is kind of tall. I mean, I'm short, but the top of the dash is kind of tall and the window, I think, is very far away. It's really far away. The windshield is really far away. And you just get the, you, you, you get the impression that Chevrolet could have pushed the dash further back by about five inches if they had been bothered to, but they couldn't have been bothered to. But the windshield, yeah, the windshield is so far away and the top of the dash, there's so much of it. They could have pushed, they could have pushed the dash, the dash surface further back. They absolutely could have. And I would argue should have, but yeah, so <laughs> me and dad did not really like the Malibu. I'm not, I don't exactly remember why he didn't really like the Malibu, but I think both of us were very unimpressed at the lack of space in the interior for sure. But yeah, so we get the car. I put my gear in the in the trunk, get in the car, I pass out, I wake up again, I think I pass out for a second time, and eventually we're in the woods. Because what's funny is when I first passed out, farmland, a few trees. Second time, second time when I wake up, it's like we're going to Rambler Ranch. There's trees everywhere. It, there's so much foliage. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is different. Wow, I didn't think there'd be this much foliage going up to Road America. I had, I knew it was a tree-lined track. I've seen photos of it. I just didn't realize how how much the scenery would end up changing uh, in however however much time passed. So we're driving, we're driving, we're on the road, and eventually we see this massive Road America sign, which unfortunately me and dad did not get any selfies with. I'm so, I am so sad about that. Thankfully, we got selfies elsewhere, but not there. Not there, unfortunately, but yeah. So we passed the big Road America sign because we got a, we have a hotel room at the Seabkins, at the Seabkins Resort. So we go past Road America, go to the Seabkins, and we ask if our room's ready. Because we, and this is skipping a little bit. We get to the town and yeah, this is skipping a little bit, but we ask if our room's ready. No, unfortunately. But yeah, you know, as we're driving up trying to get to the Seabkins, and we do make it. As we're driving up to the Seabkins, there's this little town about five minutes, maybe eight minutes away from Road America. It's this gorgeous little Midwestern town that has a bunch of shops in it. And then you have the massive Ostoff nearby and then the smaller Seabkins. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, I, love, I just wish it was bigger. I wish there was more town to enjoy because this is amazing. You get to be five minutes, like hardly, you get to be no distance away from Road America. This is incredible. And, and as we're driving by, I see all these garages and all these cool cars. And you can tell that the nearby area is shot through with the love of speed, with the love of racing. Because there's so many cool cars, so many driveways. And something else I noticed is that most of the cars are sitting in the driveway and the driveways are completely open. Like the garages are completely open. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh yeah, this is definitely a small town. I would never imagine doing this in Colorado, <laughs> let, let, alone, let alone New York, let alone San Diego. Like, no, no. So you can tell it's kind of a, it's a nice tightly knit community because it was just so relaxed and there's trees everywhere. The only thing I hated about it once I got out was the humidity because it made it made my it, it made all of my skin clam up. My hands got so clammy they eventually got sticky. 
and my arm all the way to where my sleeve stopped was sticky because it clammed up because of the humidity because Colorado is dry as hell. So that's the only thing I hated about it. That is the only thing I hated about it. Honestly, I loved, I loved that area so much. In fact, I do love that area so much. That is about the only place, that is about the only eastern place I would consider moving to. Just so I could be near to Road America. Because Road America is a fantastic racetrack. But yeah, so that was, so we flew, so that was Thursday. That was still the same day. Get to the Seabkins room, yada yada. We, I think we walk around the town just a little bit. Just a little bit. And it's, it's just lovely. It's so lovely. It's, the only shame is that there's not more town to enjoy. That's what sucks about it. And then, and then every any other big name store like a whatever a Kroger, uh, what a, what would it be? Kroger or Sprouts, a Whole Foods. None of that stuff is close at all. That sucks. But I loved all the little local shops that were nearby. I I adored it. I loved the little restaurant where me and Dad had some brilliant pizza. There was an ice cream shop where I couldn't eat all my ice cream because we had just eaten something. And there was too much ice cream for me to finish. But yeah, brilliant. Absolutely gorgeous place to live. Fantastic. I'd love to live there. But yeah, so after that, there's a pier nearby, actually. There's a little lake. I don't think it was Lake Erie. Uh, it was just past the house. So we walk, we walk in between. No, it wasn't anyone's yard, I don't think. And then they have a pier. And they have lawn, they have beach chairs. And me and dad go sit on the beach chairs for a little bit and just enjoy it. And it was crazy because it's like, okay, shot through, the, shot through with the love of speed. You have this awesome roadside attraction because the resort, it's not really a resort, but it's like a roadside attraction. It's a very touristy area because the Seabkins has a ton of automo automobile memorabilia inside, especially, well, mostly in the restaurant. It's amazing. It's brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. But you have that. You have a gorgeous, you have so much uh, foliage everywhere. You have a massive lake. Oh, you have a nice little pier, quiet pier. I loved it. I'm not sure. It's funny because my dad's got a panoramic shot of me, of, of everything. And you can see me in it. My face doesn't look like I'm enjoying it. Mostly because the sun was on me. And I might have been a bit, I might have been a bit stressed about a few things. But mostly trying to figure out what I was going to do as far as idea for the VDR regarding the video. but. Thinking back on it, I, man, man, that was, that was a highlight of that first day. Not the highlight, but a highlight of the first day. But eventually I'm like, you know, let's go, let's go back into the Seabkins. Let's get set up. Well, part, part of it is let's go check if our room's ready. And then I'm like, okay, well, if it's not ready, if it's not going to be ready for a while, and I expected it, I suspected it wouldn't be, I'm going to get to work. I got to get to work. Got to get things set up. Got to be organized. Uh, for tomorrow, for Friday, because that's when the event started in earnest. So I get my laptop out. I'm just trying to figure stuff out. A lot of time goes by. I'm trying to figure it out. And I turn my head. I look outside the window that's right behind me in the main lobby. And I see a Gen 2. I see a Gen 2, a silver Gen 2 Viper, more like a grayish silver with dual silver racing stripes. Viper pass through the window. And I'm, I'm gawking because I'm like, yes! First Viper that's passing through, hell yeah! I'm like, oh my god, is it gonna, are they, you know, are more gonna be coming through? Like, holy crap. And yeah, more come through. There's a yellow Gen 2 with black racing stripes. There's a red Gen 1, perfect spec. And then a red Gen 4 with 
with white racing stripes, dual white racing stripes. And so I said to my dad, hey, do you mind if I go chase the Vipers that just went by? Because <laughs> I wanted to see where they were going. I wanted to see where they would park. And so he's like, yeah, no, go ahead. And, and that's, you know, that's a funny thing because I'd never been to this area. Had no idea. I had no idea. I didn't know my way around at all. But the minute I see four Vipers pass by the window, I'm like, yeah, can I go outside and chase these Vipers around a place that I have no idea how big it is. I don't know my way around. Like, you know, complete, I'm a complete stranger here. Can I go chase some Vipers? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, go ahead. So I, I rush out the door. I run a little bit, trying to keep up. I kind of lose them though, because I, I waited a little long. Uh, but I'm like, okay, but I'm watching the road. I'm like, okay, they probably didn't go that way. I turn left, I keep going. And then I catch a glimpse of where they're parking. I'm like, yes, yes. And they're parking right by where the Seedkins is. Right, not where we parked, but in the same vicinity. And so I'm like, okay, I got to go back, ask my dad for the rental car keys, go get my camera gear out the trunk, get the camera set up, and then just start shooting pics right now. Because I don't know how long they're going to be there. And I also, I also get my phone out and then take photos for the gram. Because I'm like, well, yeah, well, here you go. Because I, I, I post a photo, posted a photo about my ticket to the VDR. So a few people knew about that. And then I posted a photo to my story about the Vipers I had just seen there as well. So, yeah, but I got my actual camera out to go take photos. So I'm like, okay, perfect opportunity. Like, I can't miss that. I could use these photos. When I need good Gen 1 photos because I don't have good Gen 1 photos. I need some other Gen 4 photos. And it's a tree-lined street. It's a tree-lined street. Like, this is a perfect opportunity. So I got some of the best photos I have ever taken. Uh, in, in, in that instance, I love that. Not, I haven't even finished editing all of them. I got a few more edited. They're scheduled. Uh, I think some of them are going to be going up in February. I got scheduling done that far ahead, but yeah. So that was, that was a great start to the day. That was a great start to the day. Um, you know, I wasn't meaning to recap the entirety of the VDR, I wasn't meaning to recap the entirety of the VDR. I might save that for the event report. It's, it, it's getting a little late IRL. Like it's 9.30. I still want to eat dinner. I haven't had salmon yet. But anyway, we'll, we'll skip a little bit ahead. So a few things happened in that time. There's a little street festival like a Mopar big block party. Actually, side note, I am doing an event report on what happened. So you can read the event report and I'll probably make a podcast episode on that. So stay tuned for that if you want to read, if you want to get the proper play-by-play of everything that happened. But yeah, so there's a little street festival, like a Mopar big block party type thing, and there's Vipers there because it's on because you have the SRO side on the main street, and then you have a little Viper one in this in this fairly big alley on the back side of the Seedkins. And I'm in heaven. I'm like, yes, music, Vipers, good smell of food, talking to Viper people. Hell yes! Wait, I'm like, this is everything I've ever wanted in a Viper event. This is absolutely everything I've ever wanted. Yes. I, I just, I couldn't be happier. I took a lot of good photos. And I say, and I say that that might sound egotistical, but I have a fairly high standard for my own photos, especially when I compare my photos to everyone else, which I know I shouldn't do, but they're honestly, they're good. They're good. They're not bad. They really aren't. They're on my Instagram. Again, uh, Instagram, Cody S. Car Conundrum. If you want to see it, my face is in my avatar picture, so you should be able to find me pretty easy. But yeah, I've still been posting VDR photos because I've got far too many <laughs> VDR photos. But 
yeah, they're good. They're some of the best photos I've ever taken, and I'm absolutely in love. But yeah, so had that little street festival. I took a crap ton of photos. There were man, there were some really sick vipers there. I'll talk I'll talk about them more again at a slightly later date. But yeah, so the street festival eventually winds down. It gets late. I'm like, okay, let's let's go to our let's go find our room. Or actually, no, let's go back to our room. Let's go back to our room and start winding down for the night because I got to get up really early tomorrow. Got to get up really early. Road America's not far away, but things start early. And I want to be there early so I have as much time as possible to record. Especially because the time, the, the, the way everything was scheduled was pretty much back to back to back to back to back. It was barely like, there were bare, I barely had 15 minutes between activities barely 15 minutes that's not a lot of time especially for a track as big as road america so with that in mind i was like yeah i gotta get up early and me and dad had actually been to the room earlier before the street festival stuff happened and it, it it's funny because me and mom had chose the least expensive room they had hoping you know to save a little bit of money you know we got the cheapest room they had <laughs> We got that for sure. It had ugly 70s wallpaper. It, let's just say, not that I'm trying to sound pompous, but that was definitely the word. That 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 room, not saying the Steve Kims as a whole, because I'm sure they have nicer rooms. They have a whole other, they had a whole other set of rooms that was in a completely different building, a more modern building. But that that specific room, yeah, that was one of the worst hotel rooms I've ever stayed in. <laughs> it wasn't, Thankfully, it wasn't like a light hanging from the ceiling. There's mold everywhere. There's rats. It wasn't like that. It was it was well-maintained except... Oh, my God. Phone. Phone. Bruh. Just phone. Don't do that. Um. Yeah, it was well-maintained except for the bathtub that didn't drain properly. <laughs> but... And that, that was actually funny. It was a little... Dis a lot disconcerting, but uh, quite funny. But, yeah, that was not... Not my most favorite stay at a at a hotel I've ever had but it suited it suited our needs just fine the bed was actually very comfortable I slept it's funny because the covers were pretty big and so so were the pillows so I was kind of smushed I was like uh <laughs> I was barely like the end of a thumb sticking out <laughs> sticking out at the end of the bed sheets but yeah I slept pretty good I slept it's funny because each day that went on, I slept less and less as I tried to complete more and more at the hotel and as we stayed later and later. So by Sunday, I think I had got three hours of sleep. Now, granted, that was an abbreviated day because we had to leave early to catch our flight. So that wasn't so bad. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was a that, that three hour night killed me. And it wasn't going to bed. It was getting up because getting up on three hours of sleep is not impossible. But painful! Very painful! So that sucked. But yeah, so going back a little bit, Friday was lovely. Friday Friday was a very, very nice day. Unfortunately, well, I said actually no, 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 no. It was, but it wasn't. And part of the reason why Friday wasn't so good was because of the fact that it rained biblically on Friday. I've, I, have never I have never seen so much flooding, so much rain since maybe Florida. All those years ago when I was a kid? Oh my god, and the lightning! Oh my god! I actually, th I mean, I was under a tent. I was undercover, but I thought, I, I still thought I was going to get struck with lightning. I was like, 
Holy crap, could you not, mate? I don't want to, I do not want to die in a sea of snakes like this. Good God. Yeah, it was ridiculous. The track did dry up a little bit after the fact, but it was still too wet for the VDR guys to do their second session, which was unfortunate, but it, it was what it was. We went down, it's funny. It had flooded, it had rained so bad, the entry, I think gate six, the entry, the entry road to get into Road America had, the tunnel, because it goes under the racing surface, had flooded. And it had flooded so bad, a mini got stuck in, in the tunnel. Oh my, it was insane. And I have it on video. It's actually in the VDR part one video. So go check it out on my, on my YouTube channel if you want to see that. But yeah, yeah, that was, that was something else. That was pretty funny. Incredible, but pretty funny. But yeah, so after that, there was a Q&A type panel with a, lot of, with a lot of Team Viper people, actually. And I had met Dick Winkles. I had met Richard Winkles, the engine god, right? And I had talked with him for like 45 minutes. It was amazing. I talked with a lot of people. Uh, more people than I was expecting to, honestly. And I loved every second of it. I want, I, want to, I want to meet them again and talk more, especially about specific questions I had, but I forgot to ask because I was, I just did not have my wits about me at all. But yeah, the panel was amazing. That's, that unfortunately isn't in VDR part one. It's going to be in VDR part two. Some of it, some of it is, because I'm not sure how much of it I'm at liberty to post online, but a, a, a small portion of it will be. Like, hell, Roy Schuberg was there, and I met him. That, that was a joy. I love, I love the fact that a lot of the Team Viper people still still come out to events like that and are still willing to answer questions it it's such a tightly knit community it it really is it it honestly is a family it really is because you have people coming out event after event after event and it seems like they just don't get tired of seeing each other and i love that and they're willing to help each other out with their with their viper related problems or with with driving or whatever it is it's such an amazing community it's a wonderful wonderful community i'm so glad to and in any capacity be a part of it now but yeah so friday there friday we had the panel and then saturday we had the banquet which was also insane it, it so enjoyable but saturday was even better than friday because it didn't rain so we had two sessions and i got to ride i got to ride with ralph's brother max in a 15 in a ram 1500 trx on Road America because they were doing parade laps for the Street Vipers. He and it's funny, Max wasn't driving. He had a driving instructor friend of his driving, but whoo, TRXs are fast, and you, you wouldn't. I didn't think it was going to be as fast. I didn't think it was going to feel as fast as it felt because it's a heavy vehicle. But seven hundred and seven horsepower and six hundred and fifty pound feet of torque is a lot of horsepower for any vehicle sub seven thousand pounds, which the TRX is. So it was it was a riot. I had so much fun that and and that you know I got to experience Road America for myself because I didn't. They do they were doing ride alongs at Road America on Wednesday, but I didn't make it Wednesday, so unfortunately I didn't get to do that. But guess what? Got a ride along anyway. But yeah, that and that I have on video as well. Once again, that's going to be in part two. But yeah, that ride along was amazing. The banquet on Saturday was really really amazing. I, um, they had an auction too. I didn't get to bid on anything because a lot of people were bidding out the walls. And I'm like, oh my god, this is too rich for my blood. But I, it was it was cool just being in the atmosphere and, and listening, listening to all the Viper people 
all the Viper people talk about the things that they talked about. Because once again, it was kind of private, so I won't disclose specifically, but I, I enjoyed it. it. It was, that was what I went to the VDR for primarily. But it, it's funny because while I went to the VDR primarily for that, I ended up enjoying everything else way more than I thought I would, I think. And I mean, relative to how much I thought I'd enjoy the banquet. So that was the whole, the whole event was really a pleasure. And again, I'll dive into it more. Uh, I'll dive into it more when I get the event report done and then do the podcast episode where I'm reading that uh, specifically. But yeah, little, little late. This one's running. I mean, it's not, I say it's running long. It is compared to my other podcast, but that's the point of this podcast. But yeah, it, again, getting late right now. I need to, I need to make dinner. Uh, but yeah, VDR, so much happened. So, so much happened. But the the short of it is that from start to finish, from Thursday to Sunday, it was an absolute blast. And I am yearning to go to another Viper event like that again. I met so many incredible people. I met so many people from, from prior Team Viper people to current, not exactly Team Viper people, but Ralph, for example. And... And just a lot of Viper owners, a lot of Viper... Remember Sean Romig, the guy I talked about earlier doing the book on the VA Vipers? I met him and he, uh, as he was there. And I talked with him quite a bit. And I actually interviewed him for the VDR. I actually view, interviewed him for the video. And he's in the video in VDR Part 1 because he got to drive one of the prototype Vipers. One of the prototype comp coupes, actually. Uh, he said it was prototype 4, but then someone else I talked to said it was prototype 5. So I'm not entirely sure which... But either way, one of the prototype competition coupes that Dodge had made really early on, and he got to drive it. And as a Viper historian, I'm like, that's got to be, you know, that, that's got to be a bucket list item for him. And so I got him on for, for a little interview talking about what he thought, how he enjoyed it. And I, it's such a pleasure. The whole thing was such a gosh darn pleasure. I, I got to go to another Viper event. So basically... If you didn't get to go to the VDR, do please watch the video. And not just not just to support me, but just to see what you missed out on. Just to see what you missed out on because it really was a, a massive... It, I say massive. It was a big... It was a big Viper event that was fairly unprecedented when compared... I say when compared to other stuff. Because uh, they have Viper Rendezvous, but... To me, it was kind of a, you know, a once-in-a-blue-moon opportunity. It really was a, a once in a blue moon opportunity. And so if you missed that opportunity, again, please go watch the video. Not, not even for my sake, if you don't want to, just for your sake of seeing what you missed, of seeing partially anyway, because that, you know, part one, seeing what went down, because that, that, what went down is a series of events I am not soon going to forget. It's such a, such an absolute honor to, to bring one of my childhood dreams to life and partake, I say partake, to, to attend a big Viper event with a bunch of other Viper owners and talk to a lot of, a lot of familiar Viper, familiar for other Viper faces or others, familiar for others Viper faces in the community. Just insane. But yeah, so that's pretty much what happened. And then after August, it was two months of me working my butt off to get the VDR video done. VDR part one video done, and I got it done. It's up. I got to get part two done, and I can do that now with ACC done. Uh, yeah, and ACC, like I said, was two weeks after the VDR. So 
after that, after September, October, November, December, it was all pretty chill. You know, Christmas was pretty chill. Took it un- unannounced and unannounced, but needed break. And I had I had a I had a blast just chilling, just relaxing, because that's not something I I per- that's not something I perhaps do enough of, shall we say? But I'm ready to get back to work and do even more in 2022. But this isn't the end. This isn't the end because there's something that happened in 2021 that I haven't talked about, that I haven't mentioned, and I have to bring someone else on the podcast, actually, a family member, to talk about it in depth because it it, it happened to them. It's car related, though. It is car related, so don't worry. But it happened to them, and it <laughs> it's one of those oddities that'll happen in a year. That'll make you remember that year as the year of X or as the year where X happened. It really is one of those events. So uh, I will get them on the podcast and I'll let them explain the situation for themselves. Alrighty, everyone, the victim is here. So victim, please tell me what (laughs) happened. Not that I don't already know. At the end of 2020, and we're talking about December, I went to renew the tags on my car. And I felt so good because I was like, I'm getting it out of my way. And I go down to the DMV. Yeah. And they basically tell me, are you sure you're the one who owns the car? Oh, They're like, Is, did you tell somebody else they could, you know? And I said, no, I'm the owner of the car. And they tell me my name is not the one that's in their database. And I'm going, wait a minute. What do you mean? I bought the car. I, I bought the car. I paid for it. I have the nice letter saying I paid. I don't yeah. have the title yet, but I have the nice little letter saying I paid. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, you're not the one on. And I was like, really? So they tell me to go back to the dealer. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I stopped whatever I was doing, get in the car and go beating it down the road. Not speeding though, because I don't want to get pulled over. Yeah. Says, I don't own the car. And but just listening to rock while you go down, they're like, I'm going to beat somebody up. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I go down to the dealer. And I asked to see the certain person. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, they're not available. And I'm like, okay, fine. Let me see somebody else. Yeah, typical dealer shenanigans. Yes. And so they get this one person who handles when you buy the car. Right. And the guy's basically telling me, oh, no, you're on the title. You know, this, this, and that. And I said, okay, I'm going to deal with this tomorrow. So I get in my car. I leave and I go get in the car. And I'm really hot, though. I'm really upset because I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean somebody else is on my car? Yeah. I have the memory of being at the dealership late at night, getting the photos (laughs) as we were pulling out of the dealership. Thank you. As we were pulling out. And I know my husband's not on this. Yeah. Because he's not the one. Now, we do share the car on on the paperwork. Yeah. But he's not the one. And they said, no, it's somebody totally different. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I'm thinking to myself, what could have possibly happened? Yeah. So day one passes. Day two, I called back down to the dealership. Yeah. Because they're swearing, oh, no, it's in your name, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it's not. Scout's honor. Oh, the scout's honor. <laughs> I've contacted DMV. I was there. They told me, no, you're not. They're like, oh, well, we don't know what they're talking about. And I'm just really beside myself. You're furious. Because I go pull out the paperwork that shows I paid the car off. Yeah. In August of that year. Mm-hmm. And they made a change back in July, the, year, the month before. And yeah. I'm like, but how did you do that? And they assigned the title over to somebody else. It wasn't me. <sighs> yes. And I'm like, wait a minute. What kind of shenanigans is going on here? Yeah. Because how are you going to assign the title to somebody else before I pay the car off? So now, if I were to get pulled over, it looks like I stole the car. Yeah. It's not mine. And I'm like, this has been going on since August. And I've been driving all kinds of miles. It's December. Now we're going into January. Yeah. 
and it looks like somebody else owns the car. And I'm thinking to myself, you mean somebody could even show up at my house with the cops? Yeah. Saying that the car is not mine because I don't have no proof. Yeah. Other than I paid it off, but I don't have a title. Yeah, like a different kind of repo. Yeah, the title's in their name. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my goodness. What kind of bull? <laughs> okay, so I am really hot now. And I'm like, okay, so let's get to the bottom of this. Because they're telling me that, that DMV is wrong. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. They're the ones who's going to give me the, the title. They're not wrong. Yeah. So I form a relationship with the guy who works at DMV. Because yeah. I've been calling out, emailing. I'm really hot. I'm like, I can't be driving on the road. And my, so what they did was DMV gave me a temporary title. Not temporary title. Temporary tags. Yeah. Because yeah. my tags had expired. Now I could get pulled over just because I'm driving with expired yeah. tags. And I'm then like, just a snowball effect of it getting worse and worse. And that's what it was feeling like. And I'm going, you have got to be kidding me. Yep. So the guy at DMV said, well, we're going to contact the dealer. And we're going to get everything worked out and figured out. And I'm like, okay. So when the dealer contacts me, what it sounds like is when this first happened, everybody at the dealer was out sick. Mm. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Isn't this when COVID happened? Yeah. And that's what was going on without telling me that everybody was out sick. So they had no replacement at the time uh, to do any of the paperwork and this kind of stuff. Yeah. But the title did get assigned to somebody else. I just wasn't the one who did it. Okay. I'm the owner of the car. Yeah. So there was an error on their part. So when I finally get back to the DMV, we're talking about mid-January now. And this started in December, but yeah. when the original title was assigned to somebody else, it was July. And I'm going, <laughs> I need my tags. Yeah. I need the tags on my car. I'm driving miles, millions of miles during the day, on the weekends, and I just don't need nothing happening. Yeah. Because I said, now you're going to start costing me more money. Mm -hmm. And so they finally got everything figured out, and they were like, we're going to have to go and get a new title, a clean title. Yeah. And basically, you know, get it assigned. And all this good stuff. So by the time all of this got cleaned up, it was February of 2021. What a kerfuffle. That is terrible. What I, what I don't get is when everyone went out sick and then they had to assign someone else for the title, how in God's name did they decide to change the name on the title? Because they had to have seen your name on that title. So what made them think, oh, I'm just going to change it because they must not own the car like did they see that your lease was coming or that you're about to pay it off and like oh well let's give it to someone else keep some money rolling into the dealership like that's i have no idea it didn't make any sense to me yeah i was like how do you if my name is on the front and if you go in your files you see my name how do you give it to somebody else yeah and then how do they just say okay <laughs> yeah. keep on driving you know this kind of stuff i'm gonna totally okay this that's like that's cia level level crappiness it's like oh i'm just gonna redact this and that and that, and then I'm just going to ride over it. Yep, yep. Yeah, and I couldn't believe it. And so I, in that process, though, I had talked with one of my colleagues who's an attorney. Yeah. Because I was like, I need to get somebody involved. This is not happening the way, it's not moving fast enough for me. Yeah. Because every day I'm driving, I'm thinking, somebody can pull me over just because it just looked like something wrong with the car. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you ever see those memes where people are sweating in their car because it's like when the cop is right behind you? That's you driving down yes, the road that's me driving down <laughs> without the road. a cop even being behind you. I'm serious. And I I'd actually put the paperwork in my car where I paid the car off, even though I don't have the title. Because yeah. I said, I can't afford not to drive without this in my car now. Yeah. Not one minute. Because yeah. now you got to be able to prove like, no, I paid for it. The dealership is just trying to screw me <laughs> over and I don't know what happened. Absolutely. And I was like, we're not having this. I'm not going to be on nobody's news. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out here minding my own business driving my car 
what I think is my car. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's so ridiculous. That just sounds like a Ponzi scheme. How do you how do you change the name on the title, even if you're just a replacement person? Like, who are you to decide that you get to change the name that's on the title? That's that, no, that's not your call to make. Because when you sell your car, if you own a car, you're a private owner. Yeah. When you sell it, you sign the title over, but you have to physically sign. Yeah. The back of the paperwork. Mm-hmm. And I want to go. Well, I want to see who signed my name. Yeah. <laughs> I know my name can be duplicated the way I signed. Yeah. I want to see who forged my signature. Yes, because that's another crime. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It's actually I saw a joke uh, on TikTok and it said, uh, "What crime are blacksmiths typically committed of?" And so, and they said their son said stealing. And you're like, no, dummy, forgery. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a good dad joke. I'm gonna have to take that. Yes, it is. But yeah, that's that's insane. So, if any of you. Are feeling nervous right now perhaps you should maybe go check your title with the dmv you know make sure that your name is still on your title because that that's bizarre it's so bizarre that and what was that that was 2020 going into 2021 yes what, when were the memes of people saying oh tw- what was it 2021 suck i think it <laughs> yeah. was yeah yeah that's another example of that but that's ridiculous so that made me fearful when i had to renew my tag at the end of 2021, I was going, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Is it going to be there or did something happen? And I know again. Yeah. 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 But fortunately this time, tags came right in the mail. I was like, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. I don't have to carry my payment papers with me. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Wow. That, that is quite the story. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing that. Now I know the story in full from start to finish. 2020 going into 2021. Wow. That's that's weird. The last two years have just been so such a blur for me. Twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one have almost melded together this one massive amalgamation of a year. But yeah, it has. And but that that made it come into real focus for a minute, and yeah. then it blurred all out again. Yeah, yeah. Until it came back in late twenty twenty one. Like yes, please be my name. Please be my name. It, <laughs> that's that's when that's one of those moments where you hope you see when you hope to see your report card because you want to see a good grade. Like okay. Please no CMF. Please no CMF. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you'd be like, I'm afraid to open it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like midterm crap. That's, exa- that's exactly what that's like. But yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you for coming on the podcast. That was a very interesting story. Everyone, check your titles just in case because you might not know. Uh, yeah. And I will see you all for the end segment because that has been the two, almost two and a half hour sort of New Year special. There you have it though, folks. That is everything that happened last year and then apparently a little bit in 2020. Actually, I hope you all enjoyed. I'm hoping to do these episodes uh, every three months because hopefully, you know, stuff will happen in roughly that interval and then, you know, I'll talk about my headspace and other things. But yeah, you know, that was a lot of fun, especially because a lot had happened last year and it was, I definitely needed to talk about it. So I hope you guys enjoy this new kind of episode again every three months. Uh, That does mean there probably won't be one for the six year anniversary because that would be in April. But we might have something else in store for that. I'll have to see. In any case, so I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you did, please make sure to like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do subscribe, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell and then all notifications. That way you're notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't happen to want the Podby mobile app, Hey, not a problem. Boot up wherever you get your podcast. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if I'm being honest. 
If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.